The five if I messed up, then Christ also messed up when he no, no, Christ didn't mess up. You did, no. and the reason no, no. the reason you did is because you're not you're not looking at context. But I'm gonna I, I no, do the I reason, do the reason is that Christians support the beast. That's it. Christians worship the beast. Most of them whose names were not in written in the book of life, they worship the beast. Yeah. Well, the beast is the empire of Germanic tribes, which we call now West. Joe, my, my encouragement. My encouragement. Babylon is the church of Rome. Okay. So that's a true, that's a historical point. If, oh. if you are uh, subscribed to the dispensationalism, you cannot understand. Okay. So, so folks, he, you heard what he just said. If you subscribe to interpreting the Bible correctly, you cannot find the sun. If you if you interpret the Bible using hermeneutics, using context, looking at it in its grammatical, literal interpretation, you can't be no, saved. No, no, no. He just said that. No, but and his book uh, says that. One, two, three. Welcome to Apologetics Live. We're here to answer your questions and challenges about God and the Bible. Meet your hosts from Striving for Eternity Ministries, Andrew Rappaport, Dr. Anthony Silvestro, and Pastor Justin Pierce. We are live, Apologetics Live, here to answer your challenging questions about anything you have about God and the Bible. We can answer them here on Apologetics Live. If you doubt that, just go to ApologeticsLive.com. Join in the discussion. You just go every Thursday night, 8 o'clock, 8 to 10 Eastern Time. Just go to ApologeticsLive.com. Scroll down to where it says to participate. You click the little duck icon for StreamYard. Give permission for your browser to use the microphone camera. Join in the discussion. Give us your greatest challenge. We can answer it. You doubt that. Just remember, I don't know is a perfectly good answer. That's actually an answer, folks. So this is a ministry of Striving Fraternity. If you want to hear the podcast version of this, just go to the ChristianPodcastCommunity.org, where we have over 50 vetted podcasts. So we've got something for everyone over there. Um, Cole is saying that the StreamYard link is broken. Um, it can't be broken because our guest got in. So you may need to refresh. I did set it up late. Um, so Cole, you may just need to refresh. So if you want to join, refresh. I know that it's working because our guest got in here and was able to use that link. So therefore, I know it works. It, maybe it's just a problem with you, Cole. Just saying. We'll see. He's pretty tech savvy. We'll see if he gets in here. So with that, just um, some housekeeping things that we have. Um, we usually, I like to do an in the news section and, and different things. So, but what we're going to do is talk about some conferences instead. So I'm going to bring our guest in first, Dr. Casey Butner. How are you, sir? Man, I'm doing great. Thanks for the invite to be on the show again, Andrew. So you are with uh, First Baptist Church Orlando, correct? <laughs> no, uh, that, that's not your. No. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. That's the church we're going to talk about. Oh, I'm sorry. I would have taken that as a compliment about 15 years ago, but not today. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me let me put something on screen here, and uh, gotta love when they change the words. They, they changed it from share to. Uh, to present, but uh, so why don't you talk us through the the conference you have? 
Oh, man, I would love to. Thanks for putting that flyer up. We're hosting Phil Johnson, Justin Peters, and Susan Heck, December 10, 11, and 12. And uh, we have the rest of the information on the front of our website. You see there at the bottom, bbcwg.org. So this conference is geared towards um, exposing worldliness that's creeping into the church and calling all Christians to stand upon sound doctrine. And when I was talking with Phil back at the Shepherds Conference, he said, this is my wheelhouse. I would love to come. And so it's such an honor to be able to have Phil Johnson come. And the same with Justin Peters. He's been here before. Susan Heck is never. She's looking forward to coming as well. And she'll be selling her books as well. So nevertheless, um, you know, uh, I'm excited because this is an opportunity of a lifetime. We truly have an unprecedented amount of churches that are going woke or just embracing worldliness as a means to try and evangelize a lot of that, which we'll be talking about tonight. So nevertheless, these guys are going to be preaching towards these things and exposing them and giving us the scriptural solutions. Susan Heck will have uh, main sessions with the women, and then Phil Johnson and Justin will be preaching in main sessions where everybody is inside. The unique part about this conference is it's live inside and outside. So we have big screens outside. Um, We're family integrated, so families can come and they can worship outside, they can watch the sessions live outside, and they can see their children on the playground right there at the same spot. So it's a pretty cool campus here in Central Florida in the wintertime, so we have folks who are flying down already. It's going to be a good time. Not only that, we have classical conversations, homeschool groups that are going to be serving refreshments and snacks throughout the entire conference. So, all right, good. Yeah. And so we have another conference to talk about, and that is a very important conference, I think, uh, put on by Kootenai Community Church, um, and that is like the Cessationist Conference. This is basically the way this conference came about was the fact that uh, we're trying to get filming done for the film, the Cessationist Film. And so what ended up happening was there were a number of speakers that still needed to be recorded. Their interviews needed to be recorded. Jim Osmond being one of them. And Jim, when they were going to come up to Jim's church and they asked, hey, can we just get, uh, you know, John Sampson to come up and that way they can save some money on the doing the, the videos. And they ended up coming up with a great idea saying, why don't we just do a conference with all the speakers that still needed interviews? And that way that's extra footage for the film. Great conference to have. So this is going to be November 18th up in Kootenai, Idaho. So this is Northern Idaho. It will be the opposite of what Casey was just talking about. (laughs) These are the extreme weathers. But if you go if you go to in November to Idaho, you will look forward to December in Florida. (laughs) You can come thaw out. (laughs) Yeah, you can thaw out. So plus, it's free for us. So come on down and enjoy a free conference. We'll feed you well. Well, actually, this one's going to be free as well. Um, Oh, good. Yeah. So. I think they're just they're going to do a love offering to kind of offset the costs. I think of the travel, but mm-hmm. uh, November eighteenth to the twentieth, um, 
you can you can see the the details. You have uh, I'm speaking Dan Phillips. I haven't spoken at conference with him in many years. Looking forward to being with him. Jim Osmond, who's the pastor of Kootenai Community Church. John Rutherd is a pastor here in New Jersey. I've known him for many years. Outstanding man. He's he has been developing a lot of work on the personal Holy Spirit. John Sampson, who I'll meet for the first time. Justin Peters. I don't know who that guy is. Um, <laughs> I, I've heard his name somewhere, but he's going he to be there. Going to be on with us tonight, but he had to go preach somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> like that's more important. And, and then Kevin Hay, who I I have not met. So uh, this is turn, going to turn out to be a really good conference. I got to see the the speaking itinerary, and okay. it is hefty. Um, so I'm I'm looking forward to this conference. It is going to be a lot of just great great content. Uh, and I'm going to say this. I'll say this in the beginning of the show. We usually say what to look forward to in the next few shows. Um, but I'm going to give you the rundown of the next few shows and let you know where we're kind of where we're headed because I mentioned the conference and that has gotten um, some people discussing because there's some people who think that maybe this conference is, you know, divisive or whatnot, having a, having a conference on cessationism. Well, we're going to address that. So next, next week, I will not be on, but uh, Anthony will have Dan back on. Dan Llewellyn, he dealt with prayer, the topic of prayer. That will be next week. But the week after that, October 27th, will be Jim Osmond, Justin Peters, myself, and Matt Slick to talk about cessationism. And whether it is divisive to the body of Christ, what is the biblical views, it is, I'm sure, going to be a very interesting uh, topic. Then, November 3rd, I'm going to have two ladies coming on, and we're going to talk about feminism, and is feminism enslaving women today? Wow. So, that's what we got coming up. Uh, I, have, I do have a, an interesting video that I found before we get started in our show, the, the show part uh, that we're going to talk about the main main stuff. Th- this was, I, I, I saw this and it, I just couldn't help but to chuckle. Um, this is a, a woman who did a video saying, if conservatives were like libs. And, and so let, let's just watch and see what would a, what would a conservative act like if they were acted like a liberal? you guys i'm driving in the car right now but i just got a notification that clarence thomas is hospitalized rats could this year get any flipping worse clarence all you have to do is make it to 2024 and then trump will be president again particles if you if something happens to you i'll only have five other black conservatives to quote Okay, so if if you haven't seen that, that was a complete ripoff of a liberal who basically uh, did a <laughs> was like literally was that upset? The, the the liberal used all kinds of foul language, but <laughs> not when when uh, RBG was hospitalized and not going to make it, and you know saying you just have to wait till Trump is out and you know Hillary can get back in and and help us. Yep. I thought that was hysterical, but <laughs> so you sent me this video that we're going to start with. I'm not going to play the whole thing. The whole thing is 35 minutes. If you have specific sections you want 
I'll I'll let you do that. We could go to specific time spots, but I think the beginning of this gives us enough. It does. And so I want to let you kind of, before I put the video up, if you could kind of set the stage for what we're about to see. This is this is at a church. This is First Baptist Church of Orlando. This was during what? This was a special. This was like a, a youth a youth event. Was that what this was? <laughs> no, sir. Well, it sure it sure seemed like it. <laughs> oh man! You know, to, to set it up, it's it's real easy to know what should be happening during a worship service. Uh, we worship God. We preach the word. And that's just not happening at First Orlando. And, you know, according to the conference we're having, First Timothy 4, 6 says, In pointing out these things to the brothers, you will be a good servant of Jesus Christ. And so if you're going to point out in context those things that are not pleasing to the Lord, then we should talk about these things and expose what uh, is happening. Unfortunately, you'll see within just the first few minutes um, that which is not preaching, the exact opposite of preaching. And if you are void of the Holy Spirit, if you're void of the ability to exegete the Word of God and let the Word of God work in people's souls, then you've got to substitute it with something else. Here you're going to see humor. Um, you're going to see just outright grossness, uh, if you ask me. Uh, to put this on the stage on a Sunday morning worship service and call it preaching and call it a worship service, there literally should be no one left at First Baptist Orlando. I don't know why a single person sat through this, but there's three services now going on with what you're fixing that show. Well, I, I think we could know why, but we'll get, we'll get to how who does the ushering and things like that in a moment. Let, let's just play the beginning of this clip. And just remember, this is Sunday morning worship service. Sunday morning worship service, folks. And this is what you go to church to hear. We're going to have some fun today. I'm already, I got jokes already popping in my head right now. It's going to be awesome. We're going to have some fun. We're going to laugh. Some people think that you shouldn't laugh in church. My response to that is always, what good father doesn't want to hear his children's laughter in his house? So we get to laugh. It's going to be fun. I was hanging out with Pastor David earlier or yesterday. He took me out to eat. It was awesome. What was that place? Hooters. Oh, that's right. It was amazing. <laughs> okay. Um, first off, I don't know if this guy actually knows David there because he's it kind of hesitated like he was trying to remember the guy's name. So I don't know if this comedian was brought in just for this, but Sunday morning, you're going to open up with talking about the fact that the pastor took you to a bar restaurant known for women poorly dressed. And you think that's funny. In fact, I think the pathetic thing is, did you hear the audience laugh? Yes, and and that's what is left there, those who are wanting entertainment. I mean, there. when you sent this to me, I, I, right at this point, I'm like, do I have to hear more? I, I really didn't want to, because right at this point, it is so inappropriate. I mean, absolutely inappropriate to be talking about a restaurant like Hooters, at a, at a, on a Sunday morning, I was going to say at a pulpit, but they don't have one. 
I know. And, you know, he just literally brought an entire worship service, which should be worshiping Jesus Christ and his purity and his holiness, down to the depths of sin and depravity. So everybody's mind is going towards that which is sensual and even sexual. And he's going in the opposite direction right up front. He showed his cards from the very beginning, and it doesn't get any better. Um, in fact, he doesn't quote any scripture beyond what you'll see in this next couple minutes of the clip, and it's just off the jokes for the rest of the time. He's absolutely making God's house into a mockery. It's 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 awful. I, I couldn't believe it, and I felt the same way. I couldn't listen to the whole thing, but the introduction tells it all. Yeah, so we'll play a little bit more of it. I'm not playing all of it, <laughs> but it, it it yeah. So let's let's hear a little bit more. I was just playing. I didn't go. He went by himself, man. <laughs> so he just said that the pastor went by himself, and people are laughing at that. So, so you know, what's he doing there? He's trying, like, I'm, I'm, I'm spiritual. I wouldn't go to a place like that, but pastor would. Mm-hmm. Uh, so do you, do you know, does he actually know the, the pastor David or no? You know, I don't know. I think he's been there before, but um, it wouldn't surprise me. Most, you know, times you're going to, um, you, you would go out to eat with a guest speaker. Oh, yes. You would spend some time together. You know that. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't. So I don't know the answer, to be honest with you. Yeah, but it's not like he's a, from that church or anything like that. No, yeah. right. So, because if that's the case, I mean, what it would, would say to me is that here you got a church, and what they did is they brought in comic relief mm-hmm. for us mm-hmm. in place of the preaching of the Word of God. Yeah. So, I mean, the people in this church, they, they, they have nothing because they're, they're, they're going to get this instead of, you know, God's Word. Like, is there any comparison? None. I mean, so I mean, we were going to do a whole show on, on the abuses of, of church, uh, you know, and think of, of the pulpit. But we're going to, I want to focus a little bit on this and then we're going to, we're going to spend, and folks, I'm going to encourage you to, to share this out now because we're going to spend a good part of the, this episode going through this new campaign um, that we see going on, he gets us. If you haven't seen it, we're going to play clips of their their commercials. And I'm just going to say, if you think that what we heard so far with this Michael guy in First Orlando is bad, I, I got news for you. The show is going to get worse. <laughs> like, much worse. I'm just saying, it's it's not good. All right, let's let's hear comedy so we're gonna laugh it's gonna be great here's a cool po- so there's three verses of scripture that's gonna apply to what i'm gonna talk about today there's three verses of scripture if you want to write them down i highly recommend you write them down because later on when you read them i think they're gonna pop in a new way okay Bef- before he, he gets it. to it before he gets to those passages uh, killing me <laughs> what do you, I, I know what i want to say i'm gonna let you so what were you gonna say there's three verses of scripture that apply to what i want to say i mean that's the epitome of using god's word to accomplish the means that you have it's the opposite of exegetical preaching the difference between deductive reasoning and inductive reasoning is so beyond their comprehension that it kills me and so i mean the very basis of preaching is not taking an idea that we have as if we know more than god and we know better than god on how to communicate truth to people 
and then use the Bible to accomplish our goals. It's like we're God. So basically, again, he's laid his cards out on the table. We can see exactly what he is and what he's doing. And this is who Danny and David have brought to the preaching platform on a Sunday morning. You know, it, comedy, okay, if you're going to do something, do it on a, on a different entertaining. If you're going to do fellowship do, or whatever. Do, do it on know, a Friday night, a Saturday night. Do something yeah. like that. H- have fun as Christians, whatever. There's nothing against that. But this is supposedly preaching. Well, well, okay, but here's the thing. You're bringing out the fact that he is using Scripture for his own means. Yes. Well, but I see, I don't see a problem with that. You know why? I don't think he's actually going to get the Scripture right in the first place. <laughs> I don't think he's going to have any of these passages in context. But let, let, let's give it a shot and see. Michael, take it away. As a result of what we talk about today, that's pretty cool. He's playing with the microphone stand. <laughs> so the three verses are Jeremiah 29, 11. You can write it down. Sir, you're not writing. You're just going to remember it. Okay, that's fine. Roll with that. Just roll with that's what... Okay, Jeremiah 29. Why does the guy have to write it down? It's the most quoted verse out of context in the world. <laughs> I mean, why would he have to? I mean, most people know Jeremiah 29, 11. But in case you don't, allow me to read this to you and... Let's see. I just want to see if he's going to have this in context. I, I Something tells me he's not. But this is what Jeremiah 29, 11 says. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. That sounds so great. I bet he's not going to continue reading in the context, say, verses 17 and 18. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I'm sending to on them sword, famine, pestilence. I will make them like vile figs that are so rotten they can't be eaten. I will pursue them with sword, famine, pestilence, and make them a horror to all the nations of the earth to be a curse, a terror, a hissing, a reproach among the nations where I have driven them. I bet he's not going to read that into the context. <laughs> I bet he's also not going to ask the question, who is this written for? Because, oh, verse 10 tells us, verse 10, for thus says the Lord, when 70 years are complete for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. We, we know who this is written to, and it's not us today. I'm sorry, folks, if your favorite life verse is is this Jeremiah 29, 11, you are out of context. It is, it's just, this, the reality is, when you look at that verse, it was written to those who lived through the Babylonian captivity. And that's not you. I know, I know, Pastor Casey, you think I look old enough to have actually lived through they, they have to, but I'm not. I'm really not. Okay. You look like an AD kind of guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, I mean, so the, the, does Jeremiah 29 11 have something for us? Yes. It shows that God was faithful to the Israelites when they were in 70 years of captivity, that God kept his promise, and we can, he, we can know that he will keep his promises to us. But 
let's see what, what else he has to say. That's what I would do, too. I'm like, I'm not going to be writing stuff. Down. Anyway, so Jeremiah 29, 11. And then there is John 10, 27. That's a good one. And- okay, John 10, 27. Now, here's the thing. I did watch this whole thing. And I can honestly tell you, after he refers to these passages, Casey, he never got back to them. No. And so I never quite knew how this fit in. But here's another verse. Uh, John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Hmm. Um, I don't think that means what he thinks that means. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to quote one of our friends. Yeah, because he's going to he's going to later on try to give a gospel presentation, which is just really bad. Um, and so, but I think what he's trying to say is that if we just if we're listening for the voice of God, or, you know, if we hear Him whisper to us, then you know. I think there's a, I think there's a good book. Uh, oh, that's right. God doesn't whisper by Jim Osmond. He needs a copy of that to realize that we're not going to hear an audible voice of the Lord. Yes. Just, just saying, but let's see what else we have. Then um, revelations three twenty. Okay. Okay. Revelation three twenty is his next one. And, some of you already know that passage. Another passage used out of context. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Um, that passage has nothing to do with Jesus knocking on the door of your heart. He's not waiting to see if you'll let him in. Right. So, th- this is... I'm not even going to go beyond this. I... I if you guys want to torture yourself, I'll try to put the, the links in the show notes, okay? You, you, can, you can watch that at your, I can't even say leisure. <laughs> I, I can't yeah. even say that. So, um, go ahead. I, I must give a plug for our church. I, I'm so impressed, especially with our Wednesday night crowd. Um, we do inductive Bible study on steroids, and right. it's written up in this 3D Bible study sheet. And if you go to the front of our website, bbcwg.org, you can download this um, for free. And if you email me, I will send you as large of a stack of these cards. But it's basically how to dig deeper into God's Word and to probe the text, to extract the truth, to find out what it means. And then you can apply it to the circumstances once you have seen what it is in context from the author to the audience. And then once you extract the truth and you've interpreted it correctly, then you learn how to apply it. So you got to move it across the pond, so to speak. You've got to see what was said and done in context in their culture, in their century, and extract it and then move it to um, your context. So nevertheless, our people absolutely love doing 3D Bible study. And these cards are available to your audience for free as well. So I just want to encourage and promote inductive Bible study. So this card is basically inductive Bible study on steroids, and we enjoy it. And our people are not fooled by these one-off verses that are just quoted uh, once, and then the speaker, the motivational speaker, is off to the races on accomplishing their own goal at the expense of, 
of the Lord's day, taking the word of God and using it for their own purposes. I'm, I'm, I'm literally ashamed of what First Baptist Orlando is doing. It made a complete U-turn. Yeah, it's it's pretty pathetic. Um, Bill says to me, Andrew Rappaport, why shouldn't why should we expect the unregenerate to act like regenerated? Well, that's a good point you make there because. Let's talk a little bit more about this church, First Baptist Orlando. Now, you've done some episodes with Justin Peters on, on his Didicate podcast uh, about First Baptist and their, their praising of homosexuality. They had a worship service when there was the shooting in the gay bar and by a Muslim, and they ended up just ushering them all into heaven. Every single one, they gave all the names and did a service for them, but now they have a new thing they're trying to do to reach out to the homosexual community. Uh, they believe, it seems, that the best way to reach people is to invite them into church, not to sit in a pew, but to do what, Casey? Yeah, to serve and to put their First Baptist um, Church shirt on them, put them in the places of service that are visual that are seen, like as in um, praise and worship, as in greeting, as in baptizing, as in being baptized, and the list goes on and on and on. It's very sad, but um, this is the ministry that they're embracing, the LGBTQ inclusive uh, approach, and um, there's a lot of training going on behind the scenes to implement these things. So there are still good people at First Baptist Orlando that may not um, believe perhaps what um, the prior episodes have exposed. They may not um, really truly see it yet, but the truth is rising to the surface. It's on display. The facts are right in front of their face, and I'm really encouraging folks to step back and look objectively and what's going on. You you have to think and look at the scriptures rather than just believe what you're hearing because all of this is so entertaining. It's it's it, it, if you fall into being amused, then you'll be amused right to sleep and your missions money is not going to what you think it is with in the Southern Baptist Convention through First Baptist Orlando. Your worship there is corrupted, the preaching is corrupted. I don't know how to be uh, any clearer, but the facts are right here in front of us. For them to put a comedian in the place of a preacher is further evidence of their ministry motives and the direction that they're going. I, I think the thing is, when you are going to encourage anyone to come into church, any unregenerate person, and you're going to have them come into church and then say, we're going to put you in a position where you're the face of the church. You're the first person people are going to see when they come in the church. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't want an unregenerate person serving in the church. They're, they're the ones that need to hear the gospel. Mm-hmm. But when you put them in and they're serving, and then where's that going to stop? When you have some people who are not members of the church, who are not looking to... Um, to get saved and they want to be in choir. Are you going to say no now that they've been serving as ushers? Well, no, now they're going to be up on stage serving in choir. Yeah. Like where, where does it end up stopping? And this is the abuse we, we end up seeing 
in the church. We see the, the now we're talking specifically, we started from the pulpit. Now we're talking about the abuse that goes on within the, the really in, in the allowing unregenerate people, but even worse, those who are outwardly against Christianity to serve in church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I did not prepare you for this next one. I know we want to spend a lot more time this in this episode talking about the He Gets Us campaign, because I didn't know much about this. I found out about it today. We've been doing research all, all day on this and, and freaked out at it. <laughs> Told it, mentioned it to you, and you were like, yeah, I've seen these commercials. And so we want to spend time there, but this, this I, I know I, I'm going to apologize to you, Casey. I know that this is going to trigger you. Um, if you thought the comedian was bad, this is th- this next video. Let me set it up. Three, it, it, it literally, the title of the video is Three Pastors and a Beer. Okay, Three Pastors and a Beer. It's set up, it looks like it's a bar. Okay, the three pastors that we're going to see here. Now, this is in, this is uh, Jeff Durbin, Doug Wilson, and uh, Toby Sumpner. Now, I know some people asked questions a couple weeks ago about Doug Wilson. I, on this one, I think you're, I'm going to play it. Um, I will say if you, have, if you have young children, you may want to have them leave for a little bit. That is really depressing that I have to say that when three pastors are speaking. Okay, I'm just giving the warning. I'll give you, you know, it, it's not a very long clip. It's, it's going to be less than two minutes. Um, it's very pathetic that I have to set that up and say something like that when you have three pastors get together. Now, this is part of the end abortion. So you want to go and watch something about ending abortion, and this is what you end up hearing. You decide if you think this is appropriate language for a pastor. All right. <laughs> Ready to fight? No. <laughs> okay. We are wrestling. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so let's talk. So, um, should we force women to wax men's testicles? Yeah. The look on your face says it all. Yeah. What? That is what a pastor wants to sit down, have a discussion with two other pastors, and that is how he wants to start a conversation. And and this is part of his end abortion now campaign. How do we win on ending abortion? Um is is anyone in the world gonna take a church serious when that's what they want to discuss? Man. I mean, should anyone in the church take that? I mean, look, I'll, I'll, for, for all, you know, uh, honesty, it's not the right word. I'm trying to think of the word, but, you know, for exposure or uh, disclosure, I should say, uh, I do know Jeff Durbin. I, I don't know either of the other two men. I know of Doug Wilson very little. Uh, I think that Doug Wilson was kind of set off by that. Actually, you know, I'll just, you know, let me just play a little bit so you can see Doug's kind of response to this. <laughs> is this a trick question? <laughs> I figure we start. We'll start. We'll start it the right way. Absolutely. So he's saying that 
is starting it the right way. And, and and Doug at least seems like, okay, I don't know how to go here. And- Absolutely not. Okay. So why? What's what's wrong if, if... And so they actually, he wants to continue with that discussion. I, and, and I was just flabbergasted. I, now, granted, I didn't watch past this. Um, Jeff is a is a a really nice guy, really smart guy. Okay, so uh, me bringing this up is not saying that everything he does is wrong. But we were we were working on doing a show of abuses we see within church, and this is not well. It's in a bar, I guess, not a church, but it's it's a ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, Casey. I know I shock you with this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your thoughts, is this appropriate discussion for three pastors to be having and then record this discussion and put it up for f- folks to watch? The first thing that I would say is that he's not living above reproach on this, and his very calling is at stake. What is he doing? There, There's no... Context, there's no place for this course jesting and joking. Um, another thing that comes to mind is Ephesians 4.26. Um, I'm sorry, down to see Ephesians 4.29. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only in such a word that is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that we'll give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. I think it, it's definitely garbage. There's no reason why I should be talking about these things. And if you cannot say it around children, then you don't need to be saying it. If you cannot edify those who are hearing, that is just terrible. So I would, I would simply ask him, your calling, my friend, is being called into question by such gross communication. What preacher does this? Yeah. And I, too, agree with you. Smart guy. Brilliant on the street uh, with apologetics um, and able to debate anybody, even in the, in the court of law. And uh, you can learn things from listening to him uh, debate on the street. Uh, good apologetics techniques. But um, he has a worldview, an end times worldview, that enables him to um, utilize these types of means, that which I do not share and do not think is biblical. Yeah, now Drew is saying here that uh, they're talking about a news story. I, you know, I, I, I'm, you know, and some people ask him, what's the context? To be honest with you, I don't care what the context is. Mm-hmm. Um, here, here's, look, this is, this is from an unsaved person putting a comment in here. Uh, Dr. Joel Duff, who you guys may have seen comments when he was on with, on for Jason Lyle, he, but he's saying Stuper and, and Wilson are shock jocks of the pastor theologians. Mm-hmm. And, and I wonder if that's what they're trying now. I, I, like I said, it's, it's Jeff who's asking the question, but I just, you know, it's totally inappropriate. Mm-hmm. I think. Oh yeah. I mean, consider this in Colossians three, five, therefore consider the members of your body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, greed, which amounts to idolatry for because of these things, the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. And so you're actually as a Christian, Jeff, you're entering into a category that God calls, uh, that God labels the area in which, 
his wrath pours down upon. When you bring people's minds towards the immoral area and you stir that up, it's a technique that is not uh, biblical, uh, the shock technique. That's not what Christ did. It's not what we should be doing, and we should not be bringing people's mind towards the immoral. You're right. This gets me stirred up, and I can't stand it. And I think that this is a a, a holy um, anger towards these types of things. And I, I'm telling you, Jeff needs to be corrected on this. He has a large audience, and he needs to be taking people to the throne of God in an upward direction, not in a downward direction in these directions. So I yeah. would say... Jeff, if you think I'm wrong, reach out to me and correct me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I I agree. I mean, look, here's some comments. You know, Cynthia says, "Very sad, Andrew." Jeff Durbin literally cursed during a sermon, um, and he did. He, you know, he had in a sermon he had set it up. He, he may afterwards, I guess they made it sound like he, it just came. out. No, he set it up. He basically justified it by using Greek words and saying, well, that's, that's the foul language of their day. Um, no, no, you, you have to prove that case. Just because a, a word means garbage in, the, in you know, another language doesn't mean it was used in the means of foul language. Yeah. I, again, I must quote, we're right here in verse 20 of chapter 2 of Colossians. If you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world, why is if you are living in the world, do you submit yourself to degrees such as? And it goes through what the Colossians were faced with, which is basically taking on worldly principles. Yeah. And you'd ask yourself, if you have been raised up with Christ, Jeff, if you are saved, which I'm not questioning the man's salvation, but... You should say, since you are saved, you should be putting off all of these worldly things, putting off all of these negative connotations, putting off anything that brings you closer to sin or brings people through the influence of your preaching and teaching and YouTube podcasts, whatever, closer to sin. You should put those off to the point to where you are no longer associated with them at all. You're separated to the point where you do not even say or mention or bring people close to them. You're bringing people out of darkness and into the light. You don't have to dabble around and get that dirty to bring people out of the light. Christ didn't. Yeah. Chris Honholt says, I still think there is a far better way to address it. They should not have broached it that way. And I'm agreeing. And, and Chris Huff agrees with them. Chris Huff says, you know, I agree with Chris Honholt's. Very, that's all caps, very inappropriate, uncalled for, for filthy. Uh, but they are referring to a news story. I, I get that they might be referring to a news story. Um, but First Peter one sixteen says, be holy for I am holy. There you go. Period. You know, Jason Cave is saying an abuse of calling for sure. But, yeah. you know, here is Unknown, who doesn't want to give us his, his name, uh, but Unknown says, you have a very weak conscience, Andrew, and that guy too. Well, do we have a weak conscience, or are we following Scripture? Let, let's see what Scripture says. I mean, you referred to right. Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5, I'll start right in verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us, and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality... 
and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. So, unknown, you may think that I have a weak conscience. The, the fact is, it's not that I have a weak conscience, but I have a strong love for God and His Word. Mm-hmm. A sensitive spirit. This this makes it really clear when you're going to say that you'd rather have filthy talk mm-hmm. than you. How much do you really consider what Christ died on the cross for? Mm-hmm. Do you really have a view that Christ died for that filthy mouth, those filthy thoughts? That's what Christ died for. Those sins we commit. He suffered an eternal, an eternal punishment for that. And, and people are going to just joke it off and think it's just funny? And then you're going to say, oh, well, you just have a weak conscience. No, I have a high view of God. Right. And I have a low view of man's filthiness. And if, if you don't like it, I'm sorry. Too bad. But mm-hmm. when you stand before Christ, unknown, when you stand before Christ... He's not going to think that this is this sort of thing is something to be praised or laughed at. He makes mm-hmm. it clear in his word. Yep, Colossians 3, 8, but now you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. And do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self. And so this whole passage is talking about putting off the old self, the old nature. We have to die to ourselves and get rid of those old practices and put on Christ and his holiness in every single way. So all of these things, abusive speech, abusive language, immoral, filthy words, all those things are things that you put off because they characterize the old man. And one of the things that non-believers hold inside of their heart and soul as a reason as to not believe in Jesus Christ or the Bible is because of the hypocrisy of Christians. And Jeff needs to realize that, that he can't go out and act like a hypocrite lest he bring reproach on the cause of Christ. Yeah. Now, let me just say, Chris Huff is reminding me, and thanks, Chris, I forgot about that on his podcast, which is one of the podcast at the Christian Podcast Community. Just go to christianpodcastcommunity.org and you can find Matter of Theology. They did an episode entitled Watch Your Mouth where they addressed this. So go listen to he and Drew talking about that. Now, uh, Unknown has a comment to you there, Casey. He says, sensitivity is weak. Um, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't call Jesus weak, but yet he was sensitive. Yeah, if I do something that grieves the Holy Spirit, and I'm walking with Him, and I have a a sensitive spirit as unto the Lord. I'm walking with the Lord, and I do something wrong, I know right away when I'm walking close to Christ. But when I'm walking in pride, and I'm walking far from Christ, I can sin, and I do not sense that right away. It takes a longer time when I am arrogant, and when I am boastful and prideful, And living in sin, it doesn't register as fast. So what I'm explaining to these guys is to have a sensitive spirit before the Lord and do not grieve the Holy Spirit, which we talked about there. Yeah. 
And so, so I want to, I want to transition. And so we're going to get into what I want to spend a a large amount of our time. This, he gets us campaign. Um, But before we get into that, you know, because this may be a time people may want to have already put up, gotten themselves a good pillow to go to sleep at this point, because, you know, they just wanted it to kind of shove over their head, over their ears. And I get that. So if you want to get yourself a good pillow to stuff over your head, because I'm sorry, but if you think that it has not gotten bad yet, it's going to get worse. I'm sorry. Um, but uh, get yourself a MyPillow at MyPillow.com. Uh, use promo code SFE so that you can get yourself a good discount and... They'll know that you heard about them through us, and that keeps them supporting us. The other thing I want to mention is Logos Bible Software has come out with Logos 10. Casey, I don't know if you got your copy yet, but if you haven't upgraded uh, and you want to upgrade, what I encourage you to do is upgrade to Logos 10, but allow Striving Fraternity to give you five free books. Get the same 30% discount but get five free books from Striving Fraternity. You just got to go to bit.ly slash SFE Logos. So it's B-I-T dot L-Y slash S-F-E, stands for Striving Fraternity, S-F-E Logos. One word there at the end. And if you go there, I'll have that in the show notes as well. But if you go to bit.ly slash S-F-E Logos, you will be able to get 30% off of the upgrade Just like you could do if you go directly to Logos' site, the difference is you get five free books from Striving Fraternity. So I want to encourage you guys to do that. So let us get into this. Now, uh, I'm going to... I first heard about this from one of the Christian podcasters in the Christian podcast community. Um, Her podcast is One Little Candle... Uh, we were talking on something totally unrelated to this, and she talked to me about this, and I knew nothing about it. But you know, I will say, if Rebecca, if you're if you are still watching, uh, come on in and join us. You you may be able to add some stuff from your recent podcast, but you can go to one little one little candle, um, and you can check that podcast out in her latest episode that just dropped today, um, and. I, I don't think it's up on the Christian Podcast Community site yet. It will be, but she did. She went through and and checked out this. He gets us campaign, and I, I'm just I'm sorry to say it's it this this show this doesn't get better. Okay, and, and I'm sorry about that. But let me let me play this this one clip. Actually, I should. So this started, I don't watch TV, so I didn't see these commercials. You said they're popping up in your area, even down there. Which, mm-hmm. Do you remember which commercial you saw? Well, um, vaguely. Um, we probably, well, we just, we just watch YouTube videos and such like that, and we pop over to the History Channel once in a while. And on, while we're watching the History Channel, we've seen these commercials popping up. He gets me. And my wife and I all of a sudden just looked over and thought, wait a minute, there's been a switch here. Uh, We're used to seeing LGBTQ, you know, um, commercials that are just promoting this like crazy. And then all of a sudden you see commercials that are alluding to Jesus gets you. But it's 
way off. So I don't want to give away the rest of before yeah. the folks see yeah. things, but we looked at each other. I thought, this is disgusting. Yeah, I mean, there are things, you know, and I want to play these to show you. This is this is a, um, let me get the, the, the amount again. It is a $100 million ad campaign. And they're looking to rebrand Jesus. Now, I, that's important to keep in mind that they want to rebrand Jesus because we're not going to see Jesus or representation directly of Jesus in any of the clips. But um, what we're going to see, and by the way, you know, a Facebook user had asked if uh, the Lagos uh, link again. So it's bit.ly slash s f e l o g o s so that's how you i'll leave that up for a bit um so they want to rebrand jesus and chris han holds from voice reason radio another christian podcast community podcast says rebrand jesus oh good heavens this is going to be a train wreck oh, oh yes it is it, it it really is let me play this first one. This is called the influencer. Okay, this is and, and you know I, I'm I'm just going off of the videos and what was on the website. Rebecca had gone into comments that were made. Uh, that's why I hope she can at least come in and if not, go listen to one little candle and see what what the research she had done. But uh, this is the influencer. Let's listen to this. It's only thirty seconds. So here's the video. And I, I want you to, to just watch the imagery of, of how this is displayed and, and how they're portraying it. Because remember, this is the attempt to rebrand Jesus, to, to give this huge campaign as if Jesus needs a rebranding. But that aside, what, what is it they think Jesus is? Let's, let's see the influencer. There was an influencer who became insanely popular. Everybody started following him. Then, one day, he stood up for something he believed in. People got angry. The establishment called him an extremist, said he shouldn't be allowed to share his views. They would stop at nothing to shut him up. So they did what they had to do. They nailed him to a cross. And it says, and it says there, he was canceled, is what they say. So, all right, let, let's talk about this one. The, the videos will get worse, I, I understand. Um, Chris, Chris Arnold's already said, okay, I already have a headache. Well, it's not going to get better, my friend. It's not going to get better. Um, yeah. If you looked at all the video, all the, the, the pictures, all right, I, I want to I bring some of the pictures up just so that, and, and put them on screen so we can see these. What's the one thing that we end up seeing about these different pictures. What, what do you what do you seem to be noticing that 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 we see here, Casey? Where, where do they, where, where do you think most of these photos and 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 all were taken? Yeah, during the upheaval here in our recent uh, rioting and yeah, COVID nineteen. Craziness. Well, in the, in the Black Lives Matter protests. Black Lives Matter protests. I mean, you're LGBTQ. noticing everybody here in these pictures, right? These are all the mm-hmm. black protesters. 
and and the people from Black Lives Matter, and then here you have the one with the the white police officer, right? Who's who's facing off has a face off with a young black man, and when they say that that you know that he he stood for something, it's the black man hugging the police officer with, with an angry face on. By the way, right? But then you have the the guy who's smashing in windows, a guy who's kicking in a door or something. And, and all of this is the influencer. A bunch, of, a bunch of people screaming and yelling at a Black Lives Matter protest. Right? This is, you know, what they're saying. And then, and then a, a, a picture of a phone saying, we got to silence this guy who's with me. And what you end up seeing is they're... they're this is the representation they're trying to say is somehow Jesus was nothing more than a Black Lives Matter, you know, rioter. He, that's, that's how he was getting influence and creating influence. Is this what influence, is this is what scripture says how we're supposed to have influence, how, how Christ had influence, that he should, he should be out rioting and, and looting and trying to cause upheaval for the sake of social justice. Yeah. Now, if that would have been the case, then Jesus would have partnered with Rome. Uh, Jesus <laughs> would have partnered with those who had that type of authority. He, he would have taken on their power and utilized the world's power to achieve a godly means, but Christ doesn't need any of worldliness at all. No worldly power, no worldliness at all. And he doesn't need to take it by force neither. And so there's no rioting. There's, I mean, and everybody interprets Jesus's righteous anger and turning over the tables at a temple incorrectly. Anyway, um, that whole scene was not a demonstration of um, fleshly power, but nevertheless, this, culture that is being portrayed ironically is what has recently canceled me and so this worldly culture that is being portrayed as christianity on this commercial is in in essence making normal christians regular christians good everyday law abiding bible carrying believers who are faithful to christ look like they're wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, Jason Cave says, Marxist indoctrination, perversion of, the, of our Lord, God help them. And, and that's, that's the thing, you know, Chris Huff says here, let me be clear, Jesus was not a social justice warrior. And that's, well that's the thing. This rebranding is trying to rebrand Jesus into the culture's desire of what they want Jesus to be. And really what I think it comes down to is that they are, they're looking to try to create uh, a Jesus that doesn't exist, never existed, that they wish would exist, so that they could feel better about their behaviors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And we know what Galatians 1.8 says, But even if an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed, as we have said before, and I say now again, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you have received, he is to be accursed. And this is most certainly a different gospel. To try and rebrand Jesus, it's a different Jesus. 
my my thing when I was watching these things and and looking at it, when you're saying to rebrand Jesus, that he gets us, that's the whole thing. The whole thing they're trying to say is that Jesus gets us. He understands us. He knows where we're at. And, and he was just like us. The, the thing is that you have a low view of Jesus and a high view of man. Whoever produced these videos, they're, they're, they're pouring a lot of money, $100 million into these ad campaigns from now to the end of the year. So they're on all the channels, and it's going to be, they want to have it everywhere. And they want to try to rebrand Jesus. But the, the Jesus they're rebranding is not the Jesus of the Bible. The Jesus of the Bible was not trying to influence people to change culture. He was trying to get people to repent of their sin. That's why they killed him. Because they love their sin and their power more than they loved God. Mm-hmm. And these people think they're going to win the world over by appealing by to the very things that, that God condemns. This is no different than what we started talking about with First Baptist Church Orlando. When you're going to welcome in LGBT people to usher in your church and to serve in your church and say that maybe they're going to hear the gospel. What gospel are they going to hear? Who's going to share it? Because now they're not going to want to share it because these people may leave the church now. And then you don't have people to serve. No, they're... Now that they've welcomed in, they're, they're not going to hear a gospel. They're definitely not going to hear it by a comedian who doesn't know his Bible. Right. And, and when you partner with worldly means, it falls underneath James 4.4, 4, you adulteresses. Do you not know that friendship or partnership with the world is hostility toward God? So therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Yeah. This, this movement is seriously taking... The shallower Christians who do not know what sound doctrine looks like and is scooping them up into a movement to which they think it's Christianity, but it's pseudo-Christianity. It's not the real thing. In fact, whenever a movement like this claims, and I wrote this from their own um, movement here, they are introducing the real Jesus. And whenever one, some, whenever you hear something like that, when you are getting rid of the historical, traditional biblical Jesus and introducing all oh, like, well, this century we know who the real Jesus is and everyone else was wrong. Uh, big red flags, right? There's, <laughs> yeah. So they're humanizing Jesus. And like you just mentioned before, they're reducing his deity and they're elevating their own selves and making it kind of like friendship evangelism or relational evangelism or something like that. That is, reducing the deity of Christ in order to, I don't know, create a movement. You said there's a hundred million dollars being invested. That is a lot. That's like, put that into the biblical gospel message. And maybe we could, we, we would see the change in our culture, right? (laughs) I mean, okay. This one is called dinner party. Let's give a listen again. Just 30 seconds. A caring man took a walk. He saw people suffering. Anxiety ran high. Hatred rose. I'll prepare a feast and bring them together, he thought. But some refused to join him. He was heartbroken because he wanted everyone to be filled, not with food and wine, but with compassion. 
Okay, so he says, Jesus welcomed all to the table is how they ended that one. Again, let me just show you some of the pictures, right? The, the, the picture of someone in poverty. Um, here you got a black man who's got, hand, he's handcuffed with his hands behind him. And there's the police standing over him, right? What, what does that give representation to? Again, more, more the, the Black Lives Matter. Here's a, here's a picture of some, some people fighting. Um, and then this one was interesting. So you have the picture of the, the one that says, God hates you. Uh, but then this is where it says he was uh, heartbroken because he wanted everyone to be filled. And what do you see? It's a picture of all the police on one side and a couple of Antifa guys standing against them. This is what he was heartbroken at what? At the police. Now, part of the argument they make is that Jesus was against the police. If you watch, I'm not going to play all the videos. But in the videos, they, they show that he was, he was a rabble rouser. He, was a, you know, he stood up from the police. No, he didn't. He didn't do that. In, in fact, if you, if you see, when he was before court, an illegal court, he was silent. He didn't fight. He was silent. And he went to the cross willingly to pay for sin. Not to change the culture. Mm-hmm. Isaiah 53, 7. He was opposed and he was afflicted, and yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that is silent before its shears. So he did not open his mouth. Yeah. So, so here's, here's from Rebecca. And this, she's, she has the, this is the host of One Little Candle says, the irony is non-Christians see right through the deception of the $100 million campaign, ad campaign, but those who claim the name of Christ are gushing over this. No spiritual discernment anymore. And I think that's the thing that, that gets me, is the world sees this for the fraud it is, mm-hmm. but there's Christians who are praising this and should be outraged at this. This next one is 15 seconds, not much talking, is really because of what they say at the end, and it's infuriating. I, I, these, these are getting progressively worse, I get it, but this one is called The Struggle. Okay. So you have the woman in poverty, you got a guy washing his hands, you got some guy trying to fix a car girl at a computer where she's kind of looking upset and then the ending here it says Jesus struggled to make ends meet too that's the whole idea is that Jesus struggled just like you to make ends meet all these pictures of people in poverty and Jesus struggled to make ends meet really Jesus struggled Jesus had no place to lay his head yes that's true but he struggled to make ends meet Peter comes to him and says, hey, we got to pay taxes. What does he say? Oh, go out to the lake, go catch a fish, and you're going to pull out of that fish enough tax money for you and I. Jesus is the creator of the world. Jesus creates everything. Colossians says that not only did he create all things, but he holds all things together. This is the one. He didn't struggle to make ends meet. 
He's the one that holds this whole universe together. And so this, this infuriated me. This, this next one, I can't, I'm just going to play the audio. I cannot even play the video because I find it too graphic. This is meant to appeal to people for Christ, to, to what for Christianity. And I can't play it on the video because I don't want you to see this. And this one will probably get you, Casey, even more triggered. And we're gonna have a we have a special guest back backstage that I'm gonna bring in, and I'm sure he's going to have some fire to bring down on this. But this is called the birth. Just listen to this. This is one minute long. A young girl had a boyfriend. She got pregnant. She was scared. How could she face her parents? What would they say? Can't hide something like that forever. Her parents asked who the father was. They assumed her boyfriend, but baby wasn't his. He loved her so much, he offered to help raise the child with her. They married and found a small place. They had very little money and no insurance. One evening, her water broke. There wasn't time to get help. He delivered the child and lay him in a manger. And then it says, the wording is, Jesus was born to a teen mom. So, so this is teenage pregnancy. And, and this, is the, the, this is God coming to earth and becoming a man. And they want to, and their focus is as if somebody knocked up Mary and... You know, Jesus was born from a a teen mom. I got news for you. Whoever put this video together, at that time, every mother was a teen mom. Because teenagers were adults by then. They knew how to act like adults at 13. The fact that now at 25, they still can't act like adults is a problem. Yeah. There's no teenage years in the Bible. (sighs) To try to say that Jesus was somehow, you know born out of wedlock and and here you just had this teen mom who's struggling yeah the the video was out of context it's normalizing uh that and today you know teenage pregnancy by and large the context is not the same as mary's context so it's totally out and yet you're right it's disgusting so yes you're right that video infuriates me andrew Yeah. Well, I'm going to bring in a special guest. I don't see him on video, but he has not been on Apologetics Live before, but many years ago, he was a guest several times on my rap report. Daryl Harrison from Just Thinking Podcast. He's also the, uh, I I forget what the exact title, Dean of of Social Media for Grace to You. Daryl, welcome. Andrew, my friend, it's been a long time, bro. A long time. Can you hear me? Okay? I, I can hear you fine, brother. Awesome, man. Yeah, just want to let you know, since I was with you last on the rap report, 
I've actually been promoted at Grace to You. So my title now is Director of Digital Platforms, where I still have the social media platforms for the ministry under my responsibility, but there's other stuff as well, the website, the apps, and all that kind of stuff. But just for future reference, bro. And, and, and you happen to have, like, you know, a top, what, one podcast in Christianity? So... You just something you do yeah. on the side. Yeah, God, God is good, man. God is good. The Just Thinking Podcast, I tell you, I'm I'm, I'm speechless. I really am just kind of without words uh, when I look at what God has done uh, for Virgil and me with the, uh, with the podcast and the reach and the growth and the think, man, when, when I was initially approached about the idea of doing a podcast, I turned it, I turned it down. I said, I said, no, <laughs> <laughs> I did. True story. I turned it down. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm very glad you didn't. You know, you 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 can you can say you're an award-winning podcaster because you have gotten a, a award for your podcast. Um, but I know you you commented on something about this on Twitter, and I mentioned to you we were going to be doing this. I don't know how many of these videos you got to watch that we played, but as as Chris Honhold said, we know that you're going to bring the heat. What are your thoughts with all of these videos with this He Just Gets Us campaign and their obvious view of trying to push a Jesus that is pro-social justice? Yeah, so let me just say up front, uh, I literally just dialed in. So I have not seen any of the videos that you showed or shared. Andrew, my wife and I were having dinner together, so we just wrapped up. So I, I literally just dialed in. But I did peruse the website. I did peruse the He Gets His website uh, just to read that content for myself. And when I went out there, I went right to the About page and uh, was just it's, – it's, it's, it's just a, um, a, um, a, a verbal – the verbal gymnastics that they go through to basically deconstruct Jesus from uh, – really rob him to rob him of his deity. I mean, he's, he's the, 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 the list that they go to, to make this whole enterprise. And I won't even call it a ministry. Just make this whole enterprise inoffensive, um, relatable, um, sentimental, uh, emotional, experiential. I could go on and on, but you look at how, and I was thinking earlier today because i fired off a bunch of tweets in response to this. You look at he gets us and you, you have to realize they're no different than any other heretical uh, ministry where usually the heresy starts with robbing Jesus of his deity. That's where it starts. So if you can rob Jesus of his deity, if you can remove him from the Godhead, you remove him as 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 being God, you remove that reality that He's God, and we become a bunch of Joan Osborns. Do you guys remember that song from by Joan Osborne back in the early nineties? <laughs> I do what, not. What if God was one of us? No, no sorry. Right. Yeah, yeah. So that so let me just say that He guesses God's not one of us, and you can read that in Psalm fifty verse twenty one. He's not one of us, but this is what He get. This is the approach that He gets us. Is taking they are they are deconstructing uh, the idea that Jesus is God and making him. Uh, it's like I said on Twitter today. This is this is all moralistic therapeutic deism, but without the deism. They they, they they've made Jesus a uh, a therapeutic 
psychiatrist or psychologist who, yeah, he understands you. He understands what you're going through. He, he wants to help you navigate that. And, uh, you know, no idea of, uh, you know, why Jesus came to begin with, uh, not biblically anyway. So we have this Jesus who came, you know, what I call hippie Jesus is really what he's like. He's just, he just comes in here to, to hold up a peace sign and speak love, 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 and throw tulip, tulip petals, petals along the, the seashore as the sun is setting and just make you feel good about who you are, even though you be maybe neck deep in your sin. So you don't even see the word sin on that website. It's not right. there. Yeah. Isn't yeah. It? So, so what I would ask the folks who are behind, he gets us. Why do I need Jesus at all? Why? If I don't have, if, if, the, if the issue isn't that I need a savior, that I need a redeemer, which if you can peruse that website from come from page to page on that site, you will not see yeah. that. Why, why Jesus at all? That's the question I have. Why? Why can't I just watch Dr. Phil? Well, why can't I watch um, just Judy? Why can't I just okay. write a letter into dear, uh, dear Abby? <laughs> Why can't I just go on Instagram and, uh, you know, lay out all my troubles to my 100,000 followers out there and see what they think? So he gets us is just another attempt to widen the narrow road. Yeah, it's another yeah. attempt to widen the narrow road. When script, script, see, here's the thing about the narrow road. Jesus not only says that the road is narrow, he says that there are few who will find it. Why are we trying to make the few many? <laughs> yeah, you know it, it, it's I, I, I you know I'm putting this up for folks that can can see this is the about us and yeah read that you know it's look at the way it says right here he gets us does not represent any church or religious denomination and is not a political organization. Okay. I'm like, okay, fine. That that okay. that sounds good, but the 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 thing I get, I find interesting, is that they say it's not a political organization, and yet every video that I watched is politicized. Sure, it was all social justice, Black Lives Matter, Marxist agenda. Yeah, and and they're saying here, they say he he gets us as a campaign designed to create cultural change in a way that people think about Jesus and his relevance to our lives. His relevance to our life is that we're sinners and he is the creator of the universe that holds the universe together and he came to earth as a man and died in our place so that the punishment of sin that we owe was paid by him so we could be set free. That is the relevance he has in our life. Not... Not a cultural change. I said the same thing on Twitter today. I said the thing thing Jesus gets about us is that we're all sinners. That's what he gets. Yeah. (laughs) You know know what else Jesus gets? Jesus gets himself. Yeah. This is is what I mean. Jesus came uh, because he's righteous. He's holy. He's a God God of justice. He's a God of wrath. He's a, 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 a... a, a, a God of purity. Uh, the scripture says, uh, describes Jesus as one who dwells in unapproachable light, you see. But it's like I said in one of our uh, recent podcast episodes on just thinking, I said, here we are, and, and he who he gets us falls into this category. We got people out here like he, like he gets us, 
who think you can bring people to the light by turning off the light. That's, right. that's, what, that's what they're doing. They're turning off the light of Jesus's righteousness and holiness and his intolerance for sin. And here's the thing. What, what, what Christians, what we have to learn to do, we have to be very astute. And I said this in our uh, just in the episode on um, uh, evangelical uh, deconstructionism. The first thing we have, I'm going to tie this to something you just said, Andrew. The, the first thing Christians need to do is to be able to, when we're looking at uh, heretical uh, uh, endeavors like this, is to learn to identify the language. You have to learn to identify the mm. vernacular. The phrase cultural change, that's Marxism. That's yeah. Marxism. That is just cultural, sociocultural Marxism under the banner of quote unquote evangelicalism. You have to understand, you have to learn the vernacular because what they do is what, and this is just leftist. Uh, uh, I won't even call it theological gobbledygook. It's, it's, <laughs> it's leftist moralistic gobbledygook. And what they'll do is they introduce uh, their heresies by tweaking the vernacular just enough to make you think it's biblical, make you think yeah. it's Christian. But this is nothing but evangelical Marxism under the guise of Jesus being a social justice revolutionary uh, as opposed to being God in human flesh who came into this world because he will not tolerate the sin that he gets us, says you can continue in and not mm-hmm. reap any consequences for it. Right. You know, Daryl, by the way, my name is Casey. It's great to meet you, my friend. Hey, Casey, good to meet you, man. Man, I've enjoyed your podcast. Um, hey, you're right on. Uh, just a little bit of a backdrop. Our church just recently voted unanimously to leave the Southern Baptist Convention altogether. And, um, <laughs> do you hear, do you hear my man, applause? Hey, right on. I, I've been applauded by Daryl. That's, that's a, <laughs> Hey, that's going to frame that somehow. So, and I am so proud uh, to not be a Southern Baptist right now because I, I don't know if you saw the article to where Southern Baptist, the North American Mission Board, yeah. has partnered with He Gets Us. Yeah, I saw and, that. And I have to give I have to give uh, I have to give credit to Tom Buck, Pastor Tom Buck. Tom Buck is yeah. a pastor at First yeah. Baptist Lindale, and I, it was Tom I Buck's who I, Tom Buck's yeah. Twitter feed where I first saw that. Well, mm-hmm. see, Tom, hmm. Tom has receipts for all this, for all this. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm just thinking back to our uh, Just Thinking Podcast episode on cultural denominationalism, where we focus quite a bit on the SBC. And in my travels with Virgil across the country, we run to, to uh, we speak at SBC churches. We have many, right. many friends who are within the SBC, and I have pastors say to me all the time, well, if we leave the SBC, what are we, how are we going to? support our missions. I'm like, well, how about giving the money directly to the missions? Yeah. (laughs) What a crazy idea. (laughs) What a crazy idea. How about give the money directly to them? That's what we're doing. Why do you need, why do you need NAM? Yeah. Why do you need NAM? Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll I'll wait. I'll wait forever for an answer to that question. (laughs) Why don't you just send the money directly to the missionaries? Yeah. And And NAM, NAM is a joke. And Daryl, you don't you don't know when when Pastor Casey says that they left the SBC. I mean, 
when I met Pastor Casey, we, we, so we met at Shepherd's Conference, and it was it was the Shepherd's Conference where social justice was became the topic. That there was the big Q and A that everyone remembers. Yeah, and a lot of guys didn't know what social justice was. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Pastor Casey would be one of them. And he sat down, we, we sat down with him, spent a lot of time going through and explaining what it is. And he couldn't believe that that would be in the SBC. And, and he was a very big SBC pastor. I mean, am I wrong? You, you were. I mean, you were big into the SBC. Yeah. And so for you to, to be not only see the, transgre- the transition you've done in trying to wake up the SBC in Florida in your, the leadership role you had there, trying to bring these things to light and, and then get to a point where you actually left the SBC. I mean, Daryl's applauding of you and, and he doesn't know how much you were, you were an SBC guy. You were very much an SBC pastor. You were involved at, at a leadership level in Florida and you walked away from that because they wouldn't hear. And you did a lot to try to get everybody to, to see what's going on and, and what the danger of social justice is. I know that you had us come down a couple of times to try and talk on these issues, to highlight to the churches what's going on. Yeah. And so it's a big deal that you, that you walked away from it. Yeah, we had you and Dr. Anthony down to do a social justice seminar. And we even had pastors attend who thought that the seminar was pro-social justice. Mm-hmm. And I remember calling you guys and saying, okay, these are friends. Um, these are pastors whom I love. I have long-time relationships with. They, they, are, they are coming here with their BLM masks. And uh, oh, yeah. they are really for this social justice thing. And, and I said, do I need to call them and have a conversation? He said, no, we're, we'll, we'll ease in and give the scriptural basis for where we're coming from and educate and move along. And basically you guys did a great job in handling that seminar. And, um, I did the same thing. I just took a, a, a long approach with educating <laughs> our people and worked hard within our association and I was the vice moderator then, became the senior moderator of the Greater Orlando Baptist Association for the Central Florida churches with nearly 300 churches and was working, like you said, very hard to try and bring truth to the surface. But um, at the end, I got the SBC boot. So. Yeah, I will admit, <laughs> and, and Daryl, I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but speaking against social justice with a, a pastor's wife wearing a Black Lives Matter uh, mask in like the front row. <laughs> yeah, you know, I haven't, I haven't had that specific experience, Andrew, but this is going to sound really weird. Those are the experiences that I hope to have. And what I mean by that is, uh, and I, I speak for my uh, cohort, Virgil Walker, as well. Um, we don't want to speak to the choir. Right. We, we, we ideally, we want to speak to folks who either disagree with us or who are on the fence or who uh, 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 maybe have a, a leaning uh, uh, sentimentally to uh, organizations like Black Lives Matter and to the whole uh, social justice uh, movement and milieu today. So I would welcome the opportunity to be speaking to someone in the front row wearing a BLM mask or a BLM uh, t-shirt because remember this <clears throat> and I'm trying to I'm not trying to tout our, toot our own horn here but 
Um, I was thinking earlier today, I know Candace Owens just released her documentary on Black Lives Matter. Yeah, Daily Wire. I, I watched that last and, night. Uh, it, that thing's been being promoted all over social media. Well, the truth is, just in the podcast, we scooped Candace Owens by two years. <laughs> we, yeah. we dropped six hours. I think her documentary is two hours. We did six hours across two episodes of Black Lives Matter and told you everything yeah. about that organization in the summer of 2020. And and back when ago. when we did that here on Apologetics Live and you did it on Just Thinking, they actually had to change their goals. They whitewashed their entire website. Yeah. It was the first it was the release no it was, the first episode we did that shot us to the top of the Apple Podcast charts was the George Floyd and the Gospel episode. Yep. But then a few months later, we followed that up with the two episodes on Black Lives Matter. That shot us to the top again. And we did an expositional forensic overview of BLM, who their leaders were, how they're organized, how they followed their money, uh, how they weren't a nonprofit organization, how they followed their money through other nonprofits, how all of their three founders, April Garza, Opal Tometi, and uh, Patrice Kalours, are all tied to Marxist, communist, mm-hmm. uh, nonprofit organizations. We And in the second episode, we walked you through the spiritual dynamics, uh, the religious uh, tenets that guide the three co-founders in leading that organization. We gave you an overview of what the Yoruba religion is, that they all practice, how pagan that is, full of animism and uh, pantheism. We walked you through all of that two years ago. Yeah. And, so and, with all and, respect, all due respect to Candace Owens, you're not telling us anything new. Well, it's it is new for a lot of folks who who follow her, and not those of us. It, you know, look, I've said this for a long time that this is the few times that Christianity was ahead of the curve. Usually, Christianity lags behind. I mean, pastors think they're really hip and cool by doing 1980s movies. Okay. They're so far behind the times. But this is one of the few times when you think about the statement we put out of the statement of social justice and the gospel. Yeah. That was before people were really talking about it. This was the time where the, the, those the, of Christians here were the ones that were actually leading the way before the politicians and everyone else. And, and, and this is one of the things that I said, like, you look at Antifa back then, you, you can't now, but before the election, and we did this on the show, we showed you, you go to the website and you click donate, where'd you go? Right to Joe Biden's campaign. Exactly. Right Directly to there. Right to Joe Biden, right to Act Blue, or you go to some communist front organization. I mean, I've called, uh, I've called Black Lives Matters the, the, the biggest money laundering scheme in the history of Earth. Yeah, and, and I, I, I have twenty some year career in banking and finance. I used to oversee money laundering activities for a former uh, banking employer oh. when I was in that field. I know how that stuff works. This is why BLM National is not a five hundred one c three. Yeah, this is why you you guys may recall a few months ago Patrice Colors came out publicly complaining about how the IRS is going to require them to fill out a form nine hundred. That's why she doesn't want to fill it out because you yeah. have to disclose where your funds are coming from and where they're going. Yep. She didn't want to do that. She called it racist to have to do that. Yeah. I can't imagine the money that's gone through there. Every fortune 500 hundreds of millions. Seems, yeah. Yeah. Donate to them. But, hundreds but, of millions. They're there. You look at their financial uh, 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 money, laundering, what I call a money, money laundering org chart. It looks like the mafia. Yeah. And the reality yeah. is, is, you know, this is the thing they have raised 
more money than the damage that has been done by Black Lives Matter protests. Right. And those cities and stores are still closed. People have lost their businesses. You know, I was just telling I was just telling Casey before we went live, you know, down here by me in, in Philly, Wawa's made the decision. They closed four Wawa's. They got another one that they were going to open. They decided they're not opening it, and they may close the last one that they got left. I just saw that. And, and the reason that. being is no one's doing they, they're just the people can walk in, take whatever they want, and nothing gets done. Right. And so the, these cities are going to have no businesses because the first ones to go were the small businesses because they didn't have some big company behind them to, to bring in new products and take the loss. These guys right. just lost their livelihoods. Right. Most of them are black. Yeah. So if Black see, Lives Matter, they would take care of the black businesses. Yeah. See, see here, here, here's the thing. I'm, I'm, I hope I can remember everything that's on, on the top of my mind. Here's the thing, Andrew. Fundamentally, the reason we're here talking about this right now, starting with the he gets this uh, facade, is because we got a bunch of Christians out there who are, who are afraid to make enemies. Yeah. Our churches are full of cowards. You know, the, 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 quote, the quote that I have been quoted, that I've been, I guess, gotten known for was a quote that I had said is that, you know, we do not water down the gospel because we, we care about people's souls. We water down the gospel because we want to be light. And quite frankly, we have to get over ourselves. Yeah, but I that's mean, it. You know, when you when you think about getting over ourselves, f- fundamentally, isn't that why you're a Christian? Because you, you supposedly have gotten over yourself. It should you, be. You, you, you've, you've acknowledged you've acknowledged that, that what the Bible says about you is true, that you're a mm-hmm. sinner, that you yep. deserve God's wrath. You deserve to spend eternity in hell. I mean, is, so, so when you look at anyone who professes to be a Christian within the context of that reality, that should say that I've gotten over myself. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I've, I've submitted to that hard truth. My life is no longer my own. I've been bought. Bingo. Yeah. That I've been bought with a price. I am a slave. I've been crucified Christ with Christ. Now. You come out of mm-hmm. one form of slavery, slavery to sin, to be a slave to righteousness in Christ. Right. But but we got a bunch of people, Andrew, to where that's not true. We we we've got said on Twitter today, we got a bunch of people who are professing to know Christ who are who are in reality just functioning moralists. That's what they are. Yeah. They don't have no clue what the gospel is. They have no clue how salvation works. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. right. They have, they have no idea. They're moralists. Okay. They really think. And this is what he, he gets us is. That's why I say it's moralistic, therapeutic deism, but without the deism. It's moralism. Yeah. It's Marxist moralism. And when you talk about, uh, Andrew, what you said a couple minutes ago about what, uh, what uh, Black Lives Matter does. Remember, Black Lives Matter is a Marxist organization. The three co-founders whose names I mentioned earlier are self-professed trained Marxists. They said this about themselves. And what does Marxism fundamentally do? It destroys. Yeah. It destroys. Marxism doesn't build up. It doesn't resuscitate. It doesn't refine anything. It destroys yep. and, and robs just, and steals and sucks the life out of entire societies. And it's aimed at destroying the true gospel. This gets him movement is relational at the expense of the true first step, which is repentance. Right. So if you're going to try and reach people through making Jesus relational, basically you're adulterizing the gospel and you're replacing it with 
friendship evangelism over the true repentance. John right. the Baptist wasn't worried about making friends. Jesus mm-hmm. wasn't worried about making friends. Paul wasn't worried about making friends. They wanted to get the true gospel out and let the power of God and the salvation be through the gospel. Romans one six. This, so this just, is even worse than right wait, there. This is you even just right there, brother. We we don't believe that the gospel is powerful anymore. Mm-hmm. This is why. This is why. I kind of have a little bit of a love-hate relationship with the idea of reaching people for Jesus. We don't reach anyone. I get what people mean by that. I get it. We are to share the gospel, yes. But who does the reaching? The Holy Spirit does the reaching. Amen. The Holy Spirit does the reaching. I don't reach anyone. I don't reach any. In all my efforts to share, to evangelize, and I know, Andrew, you guys have done this for years. You've evangelized for years, decades. I get it. But we have to understand we don't reach anybody. And that's what's wrong with this whole he gets his campaign. They think that through their sentimentalistic, emotional, relational, friendship, evangelism approach that that on their website. Well, we just we just want to try to get folks more interested about Jesus. (laughs) Are you kidding me? Have you read the Gospels? Have you read the Gospel of John? Nobody. I said this on Twitter earlier. Nobody wants these. These. What did I say? I said. Those what he gets us doesn't understand is that the Jesus that they say gets us doesn't want to be got by the yeah, world. That's they right. don't want that Jesus to get them. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now the friendship mm-hmm. Jesus, yeah. They, the the Marxist Jesus, yeah. The socialist Jesus, yeah. I want to. I want to connect see, to that guy. The thing it's is, so the thing is, Casey, this is worse than friendship evangelism because this is the friendship without evangelism. I mean, they want to drop the evangelism because they don't want Jesus. You know, and, and, and you know, Daryl Cole here says, Daryl can't come in here and drop truth like that without a hammer. <laughs> we, we, we're gonna, we got to get that going. Uh, Anthony was commenting. He said, striving fraternity was, was out speaking in social justice early in the game as well. And, and, and we were, you know, back, th- this was one of the reasons that, you know, you see that, you know, Daryl, you were involved and were one of the, the 19 that were involved in getting that document together. But yeah, I was I was one of the original consultants. I yeah. was with I was with John McArthur. I was with Josh Biden. Yeah. I was with those guys in that initial core circle that brought that statement of social justice and the gospel together. And, and listen, speaking about speaking out on social justice, I've been writing about this stuff on my blog since 2011. <laughs> <laughs> so you were really behind the times, huh? I'm kind of slow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let's, you know, I'm going to, I'm just going to, you know, I know Anthony's not here. And usually when Anthony's not here, we don't do Anthony time. For those who are regulars, you know what Anthony time is. That's when we're going to go over the two hour mark. And you're, gonna, and you're going, Andrew, it's 20 minutes to 10. I have a feeling we're going to go over time because I see the heavy hitters we have backstage. So let me bring in the heaviest of the heady, heavy hitters first, the the co-host of Voice of Reason Radio, Mr. Chris Honholds. And not to be outdone, we have the co-host of Matter of Theology, Chris Huff. So the two heavy hitters are in here uh, with Daryl. So I, I'm sure that we're going to be you know, getting a lot more fire being dropped. What's up, D? What's up? Yo, what's yo, up, what's real up, time. What's up? Yo, real time. I got to tell you, I love that cat, bro. You know, I love hey, it. I know you do. Wait, wait, wait. Go Braves, man. Chop, chop. Behind you. Behind you. Let's go. It's on the, it's, what's it's up, back Chris? there, too. What's, what's up, up, brother? 
Does it say he gets us behind you? Is that what that should say? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely not. Yeah. You know, so so let, let me just read one more part from their, their about us, and you guys can respond to this, because, I, you know, they, they end up saying this. We're not left or right, and left and right are in quotes. We're not left or right. We're not affiliated with any church denomination, but simply want to understand and relate to the authentic Jesus as he's depicted in the Bible. The Jesus of radical forgiveness, compassion, and love. No, time out, time out. That's not to to boast. To boast that you're neither left nor right is not something to brag about. Nope. Because when you look at that, what does Jesus say? What does Jesus say in Revelation? He said, "Well, I wish that you were hot or cold. I wish that you were." Left or right, but so so they're boasting. Oh, we're in the middle, as if that's something to be virtuous about. That's something to, to brag about. No, it's not. No, it's not. Now, notwithstanding their their heretical uh, 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 tenets and precepts, whatever you want to call them, that's not, that's not anything that, to count as virtuous. That you're neither left nor right, because again, it raises the question: if you're neither left nor right, if you're milk toast, if you're like Steve Watt, Steve uh, Lawson says, if you just have your feet firmly planted in midair, <laughs> why, why do I need Jesus at all? Goes why do I question. need him at all? That's the fundamental question that must yeah. be answered. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's let, let's address this too. You know, something that, um, and I've been very vocal on this uh, uh, lately is going back to Daryl, and you know this, right? My favorite episode of JT, a biblical exposition of unity. Why are we, why are we, and I think back Daryl to a conversation. Oh, he dropped. Well, he, I yeah, I don't, he, he's, he has dis- disconnected, but I, he's coming back in. Here we go. I'm here. Oh yeah. yeah. That unity, that unity episode. Oh yeah, bro. No. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so why, why would we, why would we seek to as, as the professed professing evangelical church, professing church of Christ, why would we seek to, and I think back to a conversation you and I had in March and, and remember what you said to me, this is the bride of Christ, bro. Yeah. This is the bride of Christ who Ephesians says, Ephesians says he wants a pure bride. Yeah. Why would we join and unify in some some nonsensical ecumenical focus to join the pure bride of Christ with this absolute nonsense? Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Because I mean, people are morbidly afraid of controversy, as J.C. Ryle said. Mm-hmm. And, and that's exactly it. I mean, what did they say? The biblical Jesus. Well, first off, you're not you're not even getting anywhere close to the biblical Jesus. You've got the cartoon character of Jesus that's in, in, in the dollar store hand, uh, coloring book. Uh, here's here's the thing: we know from Scripture. If you actually read Scripture, what did Christ do to seek and save that which is lost? Hmm. You know, He came. Why? Because man, the wages of sin is death. Men is men are dead in trespasses and sins. Christ came and obeyed the law that we couldn't obey for 33 seconds. He did for 33 years mm-hmm. in all ways, thought, word, and deed, did everything that the uh, Father commanded of him and did so. And we just d- discussed this on our episode last week on Voice Reason Radio. When he came, he came as the lowest of society had to offer. His announcement was to the lowest society had to offer. So, yeah, you want to say he, he gets you. He's been down that road. Okay, fine. But why? Why does that matter? When Christ came and he came to lowest of society, there was that meant there was no social strata that any person could say, Well, Jesus, you know, I can't come to him. But why do you come to him? 
because you need your sins forgiven. Jesus mm-hmm. told the Pharisees, "I came to, to uh, you know for the uh, you know for sinners, not for the righteous." Why did he come for sinners? Because sinners need salvation. That they they are born dead trust and trust uh, born dead trespasses and sins. They have lit, they as as Daryl said in in their podcast this week. You you choose to sin because you want to sin because mm-hmm. you were born in sin. All of that points to one thing: that there's only one hope, and that's Christ, because mm-hmm. He did everything you couldn't do. That's right, and He died the death that you deserve. So everything about this campaign about He gets us addresses none of that. Absolutely none right. of it. It basically says Jesus is your cheerleader. He is there to make you feel better about yourself. He's there to to cheer you on the sidelines and make you feel better about yourself. And while we're at it, let's attach, as you guys have just been talking about, all of this social justice nonsense, all of this stuff. Let's let's make that the focus. So instead of attracting people to a Christ who will for, forgive them for their sins, instead of trying to reach them for that, they want you. They want you to feel. He knows what it means to be poor. He knows what it means to be oppressed. He knows what it means to be this. He knows what it means to be that. And all of that, they offer nothing. Nothing in those ads says anything about where there's hope in that. What hope is it if if my Savior was poor like me? So what? Because he what gives you, Chris. He gives he's you. Not, huh? he's not, he he's gets you. Go ahead, Daryl. getting anything out. Oh, go ahead, Bert. Sorry, well, well let, me, let me do this just before Daryl speaks. and and Because uh, if there isn't enough heat here tonight. <laughs> oh, the heat just left. He just, oh, no. he just left on the... Oh, I'll have to wait till he gets back in because because cause more heat was here. Um, but you know, yeah, he, let, say, but let me, me just say this till the heat till the heat miser gets back back on. <laughs> See, here here's the thing, Chris, about what you just said. The whole idea of Jesus as a savior, as it relates to what he gets us, is propagating. We need to stop calling him a savior because they don't posit him as that. Yeah, true. They don't Very posit true. him as that. Nope. We, we, as, as it relates to he gets us and everything that you read on their website, you Jesus is not a savior because yeah. they don't discuss him in that context. He's not a exactly. savior. Well, that's the amazing thing is yeah. that, he, he, you know, they, they end up saying, you know, they're not left or right. They're not political. But everything they have in their videos are all political. And then they say, we want everyone to understand and relate to the authentic Jesus that's depicted in the Bible. That, you know, that, that's I, not I the knew, Jesus that's that there. Going to be bad. Is there, is there so, an authentic Jesus somewhere? Yeah, yeah the one that actually lived. <laughs> yeah, the but, one on he he gets us. Yeah. So here, so <laughs> let me let me bring in another person back here to bring some heat in on this subject. The man, the myth, the legend himself, the podcast host of Didache, Justin Peters. Hey, what? <laughs> hey guys. Hey, Justin. <laughs> Brother hey, Justin. Daryl, how are you? Great, my friend. Good to see you. Good, good, good to good to hear you. <laughs> yeah, I'm not on camera because I'm in the midst of packing up for a conference that I'm flying out to in the morning, so I don't gotcha. look very presentable right now. So. <laughs> jet gotcha. jet setting, Daryl. <laughs> Understand, Indeed, man. I'm hitting the I'm hitting the airport in the morning myself. Be safe, brother. Yeah, thank you. You too. So. Yeah, so, my so, guys here, right, so right let me now. let me ask you this, Daryl. You know, a lot of what we're talking about, we keep coming back to one word I keep hearing over and over from you, Pastor Casey, Chris, Chris, 
one word gospel. Daryl, could you help folks who may be listening to know we keep criticizing he gets us campaign on on the issue of the gospel. Can you please give us a gospel presentation? Well, I'm not the best at doing this. I would actually think everyone on this screen right now could probably give a better gospel presentation uh, than I could, but I'll do, I'll do my best as the Holy Spirit enables me to do that. Right? Way to put me on the spot there, uh, Andrew. Hey, that you know, it, that's what a, a host is is good at doing, right? <laughs> but well, if you prefer, we can have the evangelist Justin my, Peters do it. <laughs> yeah, I could, yeah. Justin's Justin's more of an evangelist than I am. I'm more of a I'm more of a troublemaker. <laughs> we need a nice guy. We need a nice this is, guy. This is true. We, we we need a nice guy given this. Uh, wait, 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 wait. You think Justin's a nice guy? You have not seen the people who don't agree with Justin's <laughs> describing Listen, him. I've seen, I've seen Justin. I've seen Justin give the Justin Peters stare. Oh, yeah. That's a real thing. That's a real That's a real thing, man. Don't let oh, that yeah. smile fool you. Don't let that smile fool you. <laughs> <laughs> let me kick, let me kick that to Justin uh, Andrew if you don't mind. Yeah, no problem. Justin, could you give us a gospel presentation so people can know the difference with what we've been saying about he gets us and their their hey we want to relate to Jesus and him cha- you know change the culture type of gospel and, message. How does that compare to the Andrew, Bible? This is going to sound really weird. Can I take the mic back for two minutes from Justin before we hand over him? Of course. What yeah. what I can tell you is what the gospel is not. The gospel is not moralism which is what he gets us is the gospel is not works righteousness, which is what he gets us is mm-hmm. the gospel is not social justice, so, social justice, sanctification, which is what he gets us is the gospel is not any kind of ism whereby we reduce Jesus down to our level so that we can work our way up to his level. That's what the gospel is not. Otherwise you would not have needed Jesus for Jesus to come into the world as God incarnate. See what we have to remember is he Jesus was in the world as God incarnate. He wasn't just incarnate. Mm. He was God incarnate. That's right. This is what he gets us forgets. They totally omit. They totally disregard that. So what we have here is a what he gets us is a horizontal soteriology whereby we look at the Imago Homo, we look at the Imago, uh, the image of man, and, and we compare ourselves to one another, where we're equally sinful, we're equally, uh, I don't know how what he gets us would call it, they wouldn't call it sinful, but that we're, we're e- broken. Equally, equally broken, we're equally damaged, as opposed to looking at ourselves vertically. And, and, mm. and who, who, who are we up against the holiness and righteousness of God? So I can tell you that that's what the gospel is not. Yeah. Now, Justin, take so, it away, So, bro. Justin, before, before you take it away, we're, we're now being invaded by, by rodents. There is a squirrel in the house. For the first for the first time that I th- I think of the squirrel is on Apologetics Live. It's not the first time, but it's the no. first time in a while. Okay, Gene, what's up, buddy? Hey, I'm doing good. Just finished. I, I got a Thursday night Bible study that I lead. So normally I'm driving back from Kalispell, but we did it via Zoom tonight. So I logged off and saw you guys were still live and talking about this. Yeah, well, I, you know, we're glad you're here, and uh, so you are the host of Squirrel Chatter Podcast, so give a shout out for that. KT is saying, y- you're missing Mike Ricardi and his gospel video is really good, so... <laughs> 
Well, we'll have, we have Justin Peters to substitute for Mike Riccardi. So, Justin, what is the gospel? That's a poor substitute. Uh, <laughs> but, um, the gospel is, is this, and I actually just got through posting a video on my YouTube channel giving the gospel directly to Kenneth Copeland, urging wow. him to repent. But this is the gospel, that you are a sinner. You have broken God's laws. You are a rebel. You have committed adultery, at least in your heart. You have lied. You have blasphemed the name of God in word and deed. And just like when we break laws on earth, there's a penalty to be paid. How much more so when we break God's laws? But because we have sinned against God, who is eternal and of infinite value, the punishment of that sin is also eternal and infinite. And if you die in your sins, you'll very rightly and very justly go to a very real place that the Bible calls hell where the worm will not die, the fire will not be quenched, there will be wailing and weeping and gnashing of teeth. The smoke of your torment will rise up to God forever and ever, and it will never end. That is what you deserve. Your works will profit you nothing. That's the bad news. But the good news of the gospel is this, is that God has made a way for you to escape his wrath. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth. Jesus lived a perfect life. One person, two natures. Truly God, truly man, in this one person, the God-man, Jesus Christ, lived a perfect life to the perfect satisfaction of God, and then willingly laid down his life on the cross. His life was not taken, he gave it. And on the cross, this perfect person offered his perfect life as a perfect sacrifice to perfectly satisfy the perfect wrath of God died on the cross three days later, bodily raised from the dead, proving himself to be who he said he was, God in human flesh. And if you will turn from your sin, repent from sin, and place your trust in Jesus Christ, the bodily risen Lord Jesus, you will be saved. You will pass from death to life. Old things passed away, all things made new. Now, repentance is something that few people understand. One of the key elements to genuine repentance is to have what the Apostle Paul described in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, that is a godly sorrow over your sin. The Bible speaks of two different kinds of sorrow, a worldly sorrow and a godly sorrow. A worldly sorrow over sin is nothing more than a guilty conscience. A worldly sorrow is the kind of sorrow that says, what would happen to me if my sin were exposed? What would be the consequences to me? And so we try to cover up our sin, not because we grieve over it, but because we don't want the consequences of it. And a worldly sorrow is is the kind of sorrow that says, if, if I could get away with it, if nobody would know what I'm doing on the side, if nobody would know what I'm looking at, for example, on the computer, if I could get away with it, nobody would know about it, I'd go right back to it. That is a worldly sorrow that leads to death. But a godly sorrow, the Apostle Paul says, leads to repentance unto salvation. A godly sorrow is a sorrow that is vertically oriented. A godly sorrow comes when we grieve over our sins because we understand that our sin grieves God. And we do not want to grieve Him, His person. He has been so good, so kind, so gracious, so generous, so merciful, so faithful. We don't want to sin against Him because it grieves Him. A godly 
sorrow is the kind of sorrow that David expressed in Psalm 51 when he cried out against you and you alone, O Lord, have I sinned. It is not that a Christian cannot sin. We as Christians do stumble into sin, but genuine Christians don't swim in it. They don't relish sin. They don't look for opportunities to sin. They don't plan sin. When we as Christians sin, it grieves us. So does your sin grieve you? There's a lot of people who want a Savior from hell. They want to get out of hell free card. But just as much as we should want a Savior from hell, we should want a Savior from our sin. The person who wants a Savior from hell, but not a Savior from sin, has a Savior from neither. Mm. So if you truly grieve over your sin, then I would encourage you to go to the Lord. If you're not certain of where you are in your relationship with Christ, go to Christ Cry out to him. Confess your sins to him. If that is the cry of your heart that you want a Savior from sin, come to him. Jesus says, the one who comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. He will save you if you come to him with that godly sorrow over your sin. He will save you. You'll pass from death to life, and your reward will be the person of Jesus Christ for all of eternity. That is the good news of the gospel. Thank you for that. And and that's that is the that's the thing right there. That's that what you just heard is the difference between what we're seeing from he gets us where they want to talk about this is cuz this is their gospel message from their own website. And and I hope you'll hear the difference what Justin just said and this. This is about sharing Jesus's radical love and acceptance of everyone. Though you may see Christians as hypocritical or judgmental, that's not what Jesus was about. Instead, Jesus offered radical compassion, stood up for the marginalized, and stood up uh, and understood the human condition and all its frailties because he experienced them too. Do you hear a difference there? Yeah. I mean, that's, there's a big difference between what Justin just said and that paragraph from he gets it he gets us you know um let's see make sure i'm not muted nope you're here you're good you're good good. yeah Yeah. my my favorite my favorite story of marginalization in the gospel is the story of john the baptist but you never hear folks like the the he gets this crowd uh talk about john the baptist and and what he suffered uh as a marginalized person so you have john the baptist who no one would argue was unjustly imprisoned correct mm. we all agree of that yep so the the uh the, the he justice crowd the evangelical marxist crowd defines marginalization or the marginalized as a any group of people who have been treated unjustly in their mm-hmm. subjective by their subjective definition that's right but when you take but when you take john the baptist see john the baptist was objectively uh treated unjustly but it's funny how, uh, given what you just uh, said about uh, he gets us, Andrew, if you take what they say about Jesus' radical love and acceptance of everyone, especially the marginalized, well, why, why didn't Jesus do anything to rescue John the Baptist from prison? See, Jesus told John the Baptist's disciples when they came to him with that message from John the Baptist, 
where John was wanting to know if Christ was truly the one that, that he'd been waiting for or was he to wait for someone else. Jesus said, go tell John what you have seen, what you have heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the deaf hear. Oh, by the way, the poor have had gospel preached to them. See, social, social justice, Jesus would have said. Go tell John that everybody's student loans have been forgiven. Everyone has a job. Everyone's getting a universal basic income. Every, 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 everybody has a, a, a home with a subsidized rent. Everybody's got uh, all these material felt needs met. See, that's social justice, Jesus. That's, mm-hmm. So, so we're dealing with two, two. We're dealing with two Jesuses here. We're dealing with the biblical Jesus. Then we're dealing with social justice Jesus. See, social justice Jesus is the Jesus of He gets us. That's that's that guy, who uh, as if when Jesus was walking on this earth for three and a half years. He was as if he wasn't aware of the corrupt Roman government, as if he wasn't aware of, matter of fact, the corruptness of one of his own disciples, uh, mm-hmm. as, as, as if he wasn't aware of the corrupt, cowardly heart of another one of his disciples, namely Peter, Peter. As, as if he wasn't aware of all these conditions over which he is sovereign and, uh, and uh, 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 omniscient. Uh, but again, this is this is that deconstruction that we're seeing. We're deconstructing Jesus, and when you deconstruct Jesus, you deconstruct the entire message that he brought with him. That's what we're seeing. That's right. Yeah, the lack of discernment would enable weak Christians, if not nominal Christians or Christians at all, to be taken captive, which was Paul's warning to the Colossian church not to be taken captive by vain philosophies and empty deception. That's that's the, the grievance that I have is that we true Christians really need to be heralding the truth in every way, shape, and form that we possibly can to snatch them from the flames and to keep, like Jesus prayed in John chapter 17, keep them in your name, dear Jesus. You know, it's dear God, we have really got to work hard to get the truth out there. I personally have those close to me that would be, just swooped up by this type of popular movement. It grieves my heart that they do not see it on the surface for what it truly is and um, perhaps would look at me as one who has been canceled by this kind of movement, as one who has been ostracized and perhaps wrong and alienated. But the truth is, guys, it is way narrow when it comes to where Jesus Christ really is few be it there who find it and we've got to share just like you did daryl you were very wise to yield to justin your gospel presentation spot on mm-hmm. i i mean i think everybody who was listening was most certainly moved i by had chills man i had chills <laughs> i had tears in my eyes i brother I, i'm <clears> telling you you know and, and that, that reminds me of something too I, I remember paul washer brother paul saying that uh, it's the initial look at the gospel that the lord uses to save and it's an ongoing look at the gospel that the Lord uses to sanctify us more and more into the image of Christ. And so when, when professing believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, when we don't know the gospel, we aren't being exposed to the gospel. Number one, we're not being sanctified more and more into his image. And then number two, when we see stuff like this, oh, it sounds good. Oh, it feels good. Um, no, for, for, the, for the possessing believer, it should send red flags yeah, off Chris, and just going, this so is not on. biblical. Yeah. So spot on. Yeah. I, and I think that the, there's a, in the, the, this is the ear tickling that Paul warned Timothy. Oh, about. yeah. The, the yeah. whole seeker yeah. church movement, popular 
church movement, uh, the you know the weekly religious themed rock concert with a brief self help message. That's you know that is the ear tickling. That is the people accumulating teachers according to their own desires, and yes. yep. this is just another expression of that. Mm-hmm. People yeah. believe that they're good inherently, and this movement yep. is telling them that they are good. When right. Jesus said, none are yeah. good. <laughs> right. I was just exactly teaching it. through the first verses of Ephesians 2 tonight. <laughs> <laughs> we are dead in our trespasses and sins. Mm-hmm. We are children of wrath. That's one of the things but that's so dangerous about the social justice gospel is because it makes people think they're victims. Mm-hmm. There is no way, better way to inoculate someone against the true gospel than to make themselves um, look or make them look at themselves as a victim. If you see yourself as a victim, you will never come to Christ. Yeah, exactly true. And that, that's spot on, Justin. I mean, when you look at their website, what are the hashtags, you know, activism, social justice, oppression? What are the ads? Oppression, poverty, all of these things. Everything about it is is tailored to make you seem like there's really nothing wrong with you. It's the world that you live in has not been fair to you, and Christ is here. It's, it's the system. Here. Yeah, it's the system. And so here he's your cheerleader to bring you through this. The, the problem is, what did Christ say to his very uh, own disciples? You go to John fifteen eighteen. If the world hates you, know that it has hate, hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. So here, you know, here's a, here's a campaign that says Jesus loves you in the world as you are. Yet Jesus is telling his disciples, if you're of me, the world will hate you. You'll actually be in opposition to the world. And so you know, there's this uh, just massive dichotomy where they're trying to paint you as. You're fine. You, you've got struggles. Jesus is here for you. He's gonna He's gonna make you feel better that He's here for you. He's not really gonna do anything. He's gonna make you feel better. In the meantime, you can struggle against the the, the system, and He'll be your cheerleader. And then there's the scriptures that say, if you come to Jesus, the whole world will come against you. It isn't just the system; it's the entire world, and it's it, uh, it's sinful proclivities, and it's. Uh, you know, de- uh, soul destroying uh, hatred of God that is it will come against you. It's not just that life is hard; it is now the whole world comes against you. And coming to Christ is forsaking that world and forsaking the love of the world, forsaking the, the love of sin, the forsaking comfort, forsaking uh, you, having a cheerleader, but rather turning your back on all of that and turning to Christ because he is so much more glorious, so much more transcendent, mm-hmm. so much more powerful. And, and he has done the one thing the world can never do for you. He can remove your sin mm-hmm. and he can well, make you it, righteous. Chris. Brother, that's it. I've, I've been studying Ephesians this month and I've been listening to Lloyd Jones walk through Ephesians. And in verse seven, in him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our, what our brokenness, our circumstances, no, yeah. our transgressions. Yeah. He gets us Jesus and social justice Jesus. All that does is it takes the spilled blood of Christ and says, no, 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 no. That spilled blood, that redemption, it, it's it's for your circumstances. It's hey, for your social. <clears throat> Go ahead. Go ahead, brother. Let, let, me read, let me read you the social justice version of Ephesians 1. Seven. <laughs> no. Oh, boy, here we go. Strap in. In him, in him we have affirmation. We have oh, acceptance. We, we have freedom. 
we have equality, we have uh, 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 safety, mm-hmm. we have, uh, 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 you know, we, we, we have all those worldly, uh, sentimental, sentimentalistic uh, attributes, adjectives, and characteristics in Christ. But we don't have any of what you just read. Yep, that's that's the Jesus that he gets us. We we get all the mm-hmm. all the things that I mentioned with social justice Jesus, but we get none of what you what you just read that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. We get none of that. That's right. The, the reason we get none of that because it's because the Jesus of he gets us didn't didn't is not the Jesus that came to deal with that. Nope. They came to get to give us that. I I had the I had the opportunity recently. Some of you may have heard of this, but I had the incredible opportunity uh, last weekend to uh, give the chapel message for the Dallas Cowboys who were here in L.A. to play the Rams. And I was with them for about a half hour at their team hotel and um, gave a brief 20, 25 minute message. But I, I tried to remind them that at some point their uh, their playing days are going to end Mm-hmm. And, and, and and as 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 accomplished as it would be for you guys to win a Lombardi Trophy, I spoke to them out of James one twelve, where James talks about the pursuit of the of persevering for the crown of life. Mm-hmm. I said you guys are persevering every week in pursuit of a Lombardi Trophy. I said, but let me tell you about that Lombardi Trophy. You can't say about that Lombardi Trophy what first Peter says about your eternal reward. You can't say that that Lombardi trophy is undefiled. You cannot say that that Lombardi trophy will never fade away. You cannot say that that Lombardi trophy is reserved with your name on it. You can't, I said that Lombardi trophy is going to have a Dallas Cowboys name on it. It's not going to have your name on it. I said, with that crown of life, that's going to have your name on it. Mm, amen. You see, so I tried to give them some perspective there. And the reason I'm saying this as it connects to the, to, to he gets us <clears throat> is what he gets us is trying to do. We really shouldn't call that evangelical at all because no. it's not. If you're evangelical by definition, you're giving them the bad news and the good news, not just a warped version of the good news. You're not giving them. That's not evangelistic. Mm-hmm. That's that's heretical is what that is. I would love for the social justice Jesus folks to go read Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9 which are two of the most scary, frightening verses about what hippie Jesus is going to do at at a future time when he's going to mete out destruction, eternal destruction, it says, to all of those who disobeyed him. All of those. See, that's 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 the, the same Jesus that's talked about in John 13, 34 and 35, where we're to love, every, love our, our neighbors, is the same Jesus that's being talked to in Second Thessalonians 1. So, let, let's, let's, you're talking trophies. Let me put this up here. You see that? There's the Vince Lombardi trophy. Yeah. That's the, yeah. that's, now I'm going to tell you, I took that photo. I've handled that, that trophy. And so, so, what you see right there is the, the owner's trophy for the St. Louis Rams. They, they, the gentleman you see to the left, that's my uncle. He owned the team. What's that trophy worth? 
He's, he's in hell right now. He heard the gospel over and over again. And, and, he, and he ended up taking his own life. Oh, wow. wow. Had plenty of money. Had everything the world has to offer. Has the Vince Lombardi trophy right there. Yeah. And what, what was it worth? That's, that's, the, that's what we're talking about. I mean, yeah. that's the, the, the real element of what is at stake here when we discuss these things. When, when we have a group of people that create what they want to say is the authentic Jesus, and they're replacing him for the culture to see with a $100 million campaign with a Jesus that doesn't exist. Right. The, the, let, me, let me read to you. I, I won't, you know, they, they're asking, they ask the question, did Jesus have fun? Oh, my gosh. This is what they say. And, and you know what? I'll, I'll put it up on screen so everyone can, can read along and you can <sighs> see. <laughs> this is what they say. From the beginning, we've wanted to share the real Jesus. At some point along the way, we realized that despite our best efforts to show a true and complete picture of him, that image became a bit unbalanced. There it is. Not incorrect, but incomplete. We spent so much time reflecting on heavier topics that when we stepped back and looked at the whole mosaic, we couldn't help but notice we weren't showing, uh, we were showing a picture of Jesus that was distinctly lacking joy. And so they refer to this video they have. This video is a response to that, a sort of rebalancing. As it turns out, Jesus was no stranger to joy. He went to weddings. He shared lively meals with friends. He drank with them. He had so much fun and acted so freely around the dinner table, the uptight religious leaders called him a glutton and a drunkard. He didn't worry about what would happen to his reputation when he hung out with people that others thought were shady. And he was always uninhibited in his pursuit of compassion and joy for others. Jesus let his hair down too. Oh my. Your response. Welcome to those who call good evil and evil good. (laughs) Yeah. This sounds an awful lot like Corey Asprey, the writer of Reckless Love, right? Yeah, he's this utterly, is just a, he just I mean, gives himself yeah. away. He's utterly unconcerned with what he gets in return. He doesn't care about his own glory. He doesn't care about his reputation. That is blasphemous of the most of what order. we know about eternal punishment in hell came from the tongue of Jesus while he was on the earth. Amen. Yeah, mm-hmm. he. Well, was so blunt about the judgment to come and now i i truly believe that jesus did ha- take joy in his times with his disciples because you know but it wasn't this kind of frivolous frivolity it was he took a joy in teaching his redeemed he took a joy in preparing them to lead the church he took a joy in preparing them to write the new testament 
Uh, I have no doubt that he took joy in these things. But this happy-go-lucky Jesus they're presenting is not the Christ of the Scripture. No. You guys remember the back during the uh, um, early days of the Iraq War, the the popularity yes. of the Who Would Jesus Bomb bumper stickers? Remember seeing those? No. Yeah. I actually talked to a lady who pulled in next to me to parking lot. She had a Who Would Jesus Bomb. And I said, so, you know, what do you mean by that? Oh, well, Jesus wouldn't, you know, be attacking anybody or anything. I said, you know, well, you asked the question, who would Jesus bomb? Have you read the book of Revelation? <laughs> Pretty much everybody. <laughs> you know? hey, forget, the forget, wrath of the forget, Lamb is forget, going forget to be Reve poured out. Revelation. On, yeah. Revelation, there's, there's a couple cities in Genesis that he bombed. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> when, when they said, you know, Jesus let his hair down, my first thought was, well, if you want to know about his hair, read Revelation 1, hair white uh -huh. as wool, eyes of flaming fire, feet of burnished bronze. Put that, put that Jesus, put the Jesus in your hippie Jesus pipe and smoke it. <laughs> and, and the fact that they, the way they say, like, he, he hung out with lively meals with friends and he drunk too, or he drank too, like... Uh, you know, as if the drinking he was doing is they're, they're making it sound like he went to the local bar, the local tavern, hung out all night and was getting drunk with some buddies, which well, is not what he did. In Zacchaeus's backyard or something. <clears throat> yeah. Exactly. Well, I mean, think about it this way. So you just you just pointed made the very point I wanted to say. What did they paint joy is? <laughs> where's Somebody's saying, okay, where's Virgil Walker? He's, sleeping. He's probably sleeping. I'm sorry, I got distracted. All right. But everything about it is that kind of party atmosphere, happy-go-lucky, mm -hmm. as, as, Gene, as Gene was saying. What does Jesus say about joy? Luke 15, 7, just, just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner right. who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. That's joy, where he found joy. Yes, joy is found in doing the will of the Father. Joy is found in the proclamation of the gospel. Joy is being obedient to Christ. Joy is found when a sinner turns to, to Christ from sin and, and, and is saved. What? He had fun? That's your big That's your big selling point? So, well, again, you're going back to what is fun in this life for you. Be, having a great meals together, hanging out, being around people that you care about, even if they don't exactly believe everything you believe, or they practice things they maybe shouldn't do. But hey, we're not going to be we're not going to be uptight religious people. Jesus Himself, you know, every once in a while you see the thing about well, Jesus hung out with uh, with prostitutes and and, uh, and 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 sinners and blah blah blah. Right? He went. He was with them, and he was preaching to them. He was saying, go and sin no more. He was preaching the gospel to them. He was preaching from God's word. He was pointing to repentance and faith. That was his joy. But yet they want to take all that. And Daryl said it earlier that take away, you know, take away the deity of Christ, take away the, the salvation of Christ, take all that away and just focus on, well, he had these fun times. So therefore, you should like him. See, that, that, that Chris, I, I think... You just you nailed several things there. I want to say this, and then I got to run, guys. But listen, when we fundamentally break, he gets us down. That word fun, and them trying to pit Jesus as this some sort of 
uh, party animal who let his hair down and just like you said, uh, Casey just just I'm sorry, squirrel just frivolously uh, banting about carousing uh, with sinners. Look, let's keep it real here, okay? He gets us is a uh, uh, is is offering sinners a heretical loophole to continue to mm-hmm. engage in their sin. That's right. This this is what he gets us is fundamentally Amen. proffering. Fun, having fun is just a cold word for remaining and practicing your sin against what yes. we know from First John 3, 9, where John writes, no one who is born of God practices sin. Um, in our most recent episode, which we dropped just yesterday, I don't want to uh, give it all away, but I walk you through five ways that the reality of indwelling sin operates in the lives of us as believers, and I, they, they all begin with the letter D. And every last one of those is what, and you'll understand the context as you listen to the episode, every last one of those five is what he gets us is trying to avoid. Mm-hmm. They're trying to avoid the accountability that each and every one of us, even unbelievers, we know this from Romans 1, we know that each and every one of us knows that according to Romans 14, 12, each of us at some point is going to stand before God to give an account of himself. We know that. But he gets us is trying to blind you of that. They're trying to camouflage you to that reality under the guise of an experiential Jesus who can relate to what you're going through. Mm -hmm. So so you don't need a savior for that. What you need is a psychologist. You need a therapist. You don't need need a savior for that. What's what's he saving you from? Yourself? Mm. No. He's saving, for, he's saving you from a nervous breakdown? Is that what he's doing? No, from your no, circumstances so, so. and the culture. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, guys, it's been great hanging out. I got to run. I got a really early flight in the morning. So, love you, brother. Darryl, Darryl, right. You get uh, extra points for alliterating all your points in the podcast today. Yeah, but he's not a good, he's not a good Baptist. He he had, he it's it's three points and a conclusion. No, he had five. Yeah, yeah. So he's not a good real. Baptist. No, that was a, that was actually a very convicting episode. I listened to it this morning. Oh, thank thank you, Squirrel. Thank you. I haven't I haven't it's, I've downloaded it, but haven't listened yet. What are you guys waiting for? I'm working through it. It's it's I'm hard when you try to listen done, at work and the phone rings and people show up and you have legal duty things that you have to do, like right, let's go. You know, trying to keep people from going to jail. So, well, Daryl, <laughs> I, I, we still, we appreciate uh, retirement, Chris. Well, Daryl, we appreciate uh, you coming in. We we appreciate you coming in. We appreciate all that you do for the body of Christ. You keep yeah, keep uh, bringing the fire, man. Amen. Thanks, guys. Love y'all, and thanks for supporting me and Virgil. That means a lot to us. Yeah, always, always. Sorry, right, Daryl. We'll talk to you soon. So, they put this out here, and I bet Daryl's going to wish he didn't go. But Rebecca put this up, and because I've been, I've been wanting to bring this up from earlier because this really, this, this was a question I was going to bring up for you guys. But I think Rebecca really nailed it, and she says, and Rebecca, by the way, is the one that I said she's she's the host of One Little Candle that did the episode that I where I found out about this. But so she said, I believe he gets us is a result of Arminianism. Thinking that we are the be-all to, to end-all in people's salvation, that God's passive in our salvation, waiting for us to make the right moves. Well, Squirrel, you got a shirt that says, Theology Matters. Yep. Why don't I... So Chris is showing that he's got, the, he's got one little candle ready to go. 
Theology Matters, I'll let you go, then Justin, and then uh, uh, Pastor Casey, Chris, and Chris. Theology does matter, and this does... Yeah, you can take it all the way back to Arminius if you want, or all the way back to Pelagius. Um, That's what I was going to say. I think the the modern core of it is the revivalism of Finney. Charismania, yes. The charismania, revivalism, that whole movement which has taken over the church in the West. Correct. For I mean, you have the you have the unbelieving liberal church in Europe, and in America, you have the revivalist. You know, like was it? We are the be all and end all of salvation. I think the thing that the he gets us people should be afraid of is the fact that us, and he tells us quite frankly that we are dead in our trespasses and sins, that we are children of wrath, that we are under his judgment. That we are dead in our trespasses and, and sins. Okay. So we need to see that uh, communicated. I, I, I go back to you know that famous R.C. Sproul quote, what's wrong with you people? <laughs> don't know Where he it. says... The problem with the church is we don't know who God is and we don't know who we are. Mm -hmm. And this is a false Christ that they are presenting. This is not a Christ who can save because this is, this is, this is a feel good, happy go lucky party time. Jesus, you know, good time, rock and roll. And so, yeah, that, that Justin nailed it with his gospel presentation earlier mm. that, you know, repent and believe the gospel because you are a wretched sinner who has offended the thrice holy God. And your only chance is to throw yourself upon his mercy. And the yep. promise is that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Mm. And so that, that, but we can't tell the good news without the bad news. And the bad news is this planet is full of hellbound sinners who don't need someone to affirm them in their sin. They need to repent of their sin and put their faith in Jesus Christ or the forgiveness of their sins. Justin. Yeah. Um, Arminians, yeah, I, I fully affirm that there are. I'm not one to say that all Arminians are lost, but I would say that um, any Arminian who is a true regenerate Christian does not understand his or her own salvation. Correct. Doesn't understand it. Um, Arminianism is is will worship. I, I sometimes call them will worshipers. Um. So, yeah, every every. Every uh, aberrant teaching, every aberrant practice found in the evangelical church, uh, you can every bizarre thing you can trace it back to Armenians and or Charismatics. Of course, almost all Charismatics are Armenians. But uh, it, where are the serious Armenian theologians? I mean, where where are they? They're like Charismatic expositors. They just 
where are they? Um, there's lots of rumors of them exist, kind of like Bigfoot. There's lots of rumors these things exist. There's there's a few grainy pictures out of focus, but like I'm really trying to find a charismatic expositor. I, I don't think they exist anymore. Bigfoot. I mean, find me a Bigfoot. I'll show you a charismatic expositor. So anyway. Um, you know, you could almost call a charismatic expositor a continuationist. What's that? I'm sorry. A continuationist. Yeah, a continuationist. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> where are the continuous expositors? Well, h- hence, hence, hence the reason. Hence the reason. Uh, you well, know, I put this up, but hence the reason for a, to attend a great conference this November up in Kootenai, Idaho, the Cessationist Conference. And and Chris and Chris, you guys got to find a way to make your way up there. Uh, it's only three hours from me. And, and Squirrel, I expect and to see you at this conference. <laughs> because, I mean, just look at the lineup of speakers. You got, you got a knucklehead, then Dan Phillips, Jim Osmond, John Rutherford, John Sampson, Justin Peters, and Kevin Hay. I mean, so how can you miss this? Just saying. Not just thinking. that's copyrighted yeah Yeah. you have to pay royalties i don't know if y'all seen this there's a youtube channel called and i'm gonna have to go to because for the same reasons i got to get ready for a trip um there's a youtube channel called the remnant radio remnant radio guys Mm -hmm. they interviewed none other than sam storms uh in the last couple of weeks and sam storms who is as careful and conservative of a charismatic or continuationist as there is. Even he said, Benny Hinn loves Jesus. He's a believer. He's regenerate. He's got some wonky ideas on a few things, you know, maybe some manipulative techniques, but he loves Jesus. This is a man who loves Jesus. I'm like, are you kidding me? He doesn't know Jesus. If any yeah. hand is not a false prophet, then the term literally has no meaning. Has no meaning. And Sam Storms, as careful of a charismatic as there is, thinks Benny Hinn is a Christian. I mean, there's there's zero, none, not a discernment in the charismatic movement. When you start down that downgrade, the only thing that can stop you is a work of the Lord, a supernatural yeah. Work of the Lord says, no, yeah. stop. You go no further. And Sam Storms and Wayne Grudem and others out there, you've and seen. it doesn't that. happen often. No. That's the, that's the really sad thing is yeah. you do not see people being brought up short on their way down that movement. Yeah. 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 Oh, you're right. I got to sign off. Safe travels. Yeah. Safe travels, my friend. Well, thanks, yeah. thanks for coming in, Justin. And, uh, you know, folks, just to remind Thank you, you I, I mentioned this in the beginning, but on the 27th, Apologetics Live, Justin will be here with uh, Jim Osmond and Matt Slick. We're going to talk about that conference, the Cessationist Conference, the gifts. Uh, it'll be a lively discussion, uh, but with no drinking. We'll, we'll have the lively, this, the lively <laughs> dinner without the... Uh, uh, and I'll just say, Justin, there are people putting in a hashtag, Justin, I win. Um, and KT is saying, Justin, another Justin, I win episode. I, I, I don't it, it almost seems like people, you know, want to hear about Justin, I win. So, you, you know, everyone should go to Justin, I win dot com and go find out what Justin, I win is really all about. 
All right. So, <laughs> hey, I, I, I'm just, it's the audience, Justin. I, I, uh, uh, <laughs> I um, no encouragement on your part. Andrew, whatsoever. don't you have a pillow to sell or something? <laughs> <laughs> Mike, drop. Sign out now, Justin, brother. You're not going to feel Oh, that was great. <laughs> that was good. Oh, that was great. Yeah. So, and, 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 and Melissa's saying, my pillow and log out software. There you go. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Casey, you know, I'll put, I'll put the, the comment back up so you can respond to it. But basically, the idea of the he gets us as a result of Arminianism. Your, your thoughts on that? Yes, sir. Um, you know, um, I side with Stephen Lawson when he said that the Bible says uh, nowhere that there will be many true prophets. But the Bible says in uh, Matthew 24, 11, many false prophets will arise and will mislead many because lawlessness increase and most people's love will grow weary and cold. So it just kind of seems you know, we've, we've really capitalized on soteriology. We've ne- that down, we see where uh, this whole movement has got that wrong. But what about how we present the gospel? What about the means? What about the missions? What about the Great Commission or how we do what we do? Um, the missions philosophy of ministry and such, because there's going to be a lot of good Christians who jump on board with this and say, okay, I, I'm, I'm game for reaching the lost. That's why Jesus came, right? Um, he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And this is a, a big, highly funded, $100 million movement. I want to be on the winning team. I want to see my neighbors won for Christ. Um, what about that? Well, here, here's the problem. Jesus is a maker of men. He is not codependent on money or any type of ministry, especially a ministry that compromises and adopts the ways of the world. If you partner with the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Mm. God is not in this. Arminianism is works-based, and so is this entire movement. So I'm against it. I think this episode is much needed, and I'm really proud to be a part of it, and I hope it gets 100 million views. All right. So, uh, Chris, uh, Chris Honholds, you were in here first, so I'll let you be go next there. I, I think uh, a lot of what uh, Casey said is ex- extremely important. What, why is everybody going to want to ju- jump on this? Because they want to say, oh, I want to be part of something that's going to you know, save souls. I want to be something that gets people interested in Jesus, etc. The problem is, and this is, you go back to the issue of... Uh, the, you know the quote about or the, the the thing that went up about Arminianism. What was what's the point of Arminianism? What is the point of uh, uh, Finney and the hot and the uh, the anxious bench and all that? It's about numbers. It's about mm-hmm. being able to coax or coerce or manipulate somebody into a profession of faith. If you can do that, if you can see it happen, somehow you were successful, and that's what uh, what we're seeing with. Um, he gets us. It's another another world-based tool to, that we can use to say we've done something. We were effective. You, you, you know, Ray Comfort would you know always be challenged. Well, how effective is presenting the law and gospel? How many souls have you saved? And so the the issue isn't 
what have I done? The issue isn't how effective is it. The issue isn't how many numbers can we claim. The issue is, are we doing what God himself commanded us, and are we trusting him for the results? The mm. results aren't our doing. That's the issue. That's right. We aren't the ones who save anyone. We are the ones, are, we're simply servants who should be satisfied to do their duty. All right. We should not be looking to say, look what I've accomplished. Now, I know a lot of people will say, oh, no, this is all about Jesus. And I'm sure that, as, as uh, Dr. Casey pointed out, that that's what a lot of people are going to want to get on board for. But the problem is, is ultimately, it's a trust in a man-made mechanism, in a practical solution, a world-based manipulatory system that appeals to the flesh, that appeals to what people have. This is another felt needs. I mean, think about it. If it's all social justice based, which so much of it is, it's just another felt needs technique. It's about saying we want to reach those people who feel oppressed, who feel struggle, who feel whatever. It's just it's it's basically church growth network 2.0. It's just Mm -hmm. another version of it so that we can say We've accomplished something because look at how much money was spent, how many people were involved, how many professions of faith. It's like the it's like these massive crusades where look how many professions we made, look how many people were involved, look how many people served, look how many people made came down and 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 signed a card. That's what he gets us is. It's another man-made technique that says we do this, we we perceive that, we think this will attract rather than saying here's the word of God. Here's what Jesus did during the you know the road to Emmaus. He took the law and the gospel, and he said, "These are all the places where it talks about himself." He expounded the word to his own disciples. What what were the disciples doing? They were going and proclaiming Christ as Lord. They were going and saying, "You are you're, you're dead in your trespasses and sins. Christ died for the ungodly. Repent and be and be baptized and and professing faith in Jesus Christ." That's what they preached. And did they go around taking tallies? Did they go around taking, uh, you know, how many, how big has the church gotten or anything? Like, do, do we see any of that in the epistles? Do we see any of that in Acts? None of it. What are we constantly? What are we constantly told to do in these in the Word of God? To proclaim the gospel, to proclaim the Word of God, to exposit the Word, to trust God and His commandments and His Word and His work, and to give that to the Holy Spirit, who will save who he will. He gets us is nothing more than another church growth technique, but this time it's divorced itself from anything having to do with Christ's deity, the gospel, salvation, sin. It doesn't even dress that up. All it is is saying he's on the sidelines cheerleading you along as you can continue to do what you're spo- what you're doing. There's nothing else that you need. It's not even that if you come to Jesus, you get a better life. That's what I was saying about earlier. Where's the hope? So what? So what? Jesus grew up poor. Where's the hope? At least the at least the God has a wonderful plan for your life. As a train wreck as that is, tried to offer something. This offers nothing but a cheerleader. It is it is church growth. All over again, repackaged, but with social justice bow. Yeah, I, I must add to what you're saying there, and that the first sentence in the Satanic Bible is "Do thine own will," Absolutely. and you're yeah. you're simply ushering people to do thine own will in this movement. <clears throat> and speaking of idols, it's one of the biggest reasons why our church voted unanimously to leave the Southern Baptist Convention is because of its idolization of numbers. 
And when Rick Warren gave his self-exaltation speech there at the end of the last Southern Baptist Convention, it was just simply proof in the pudding that what we've been saying is true when nearly everyone in that room, and I was there watching, near over 10,000 people stood and gave a huge round of applause for all of the gross, exaggerative numbers that were spewed out of his heretical mouth. And so when you see that kind of grossness celebrated by the messengers, those who actually show up and vote, then you see clearly the direction of the Southern Baptist Convention in embracing this type of ideology. It's no wonder Kevin Ezell has partnered with this movement and now untold millions of dollars from the Southern Baptist Convention North American Missions Board is partnering with this heretical movement. Apparently, Etzel, uh, he put out a notice today yep. that they've withdrawn from it. Yes. Oh, uh, so, then. so praise yeah. God for that. But Yeah, he, yeah. he actually did make a rather, a rather contrite statement that he did not do the research he should have done. Hmm. That was yeah. actually very surprising. Yeah. Wow. And I'm... I'm probably too cynical in my old age i hope it wasn't just like PayPal. we're sorry we got caught but, um, that's not repentance yeah. Yeah. wait 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 are you saying you don't believe that paypal just accidentally so, someone was just joking around and put it I in there and i don't and that's what i told the customer service representative today when i had to talk to them to get something removed from the account so i could close it well so, they won't they won't let me close mine they won't they, let you close. They yours. told me they said, "Oh, well, there's a problem with closing yours." And uh, so I've so if you, they they yeah. give again, Christoph, we'll, we'll, we'll give this to you. But let me just since you brought up PayPal, if folks don't know, I, I did mean to bring this up in the news section. I forgot, but so PayPal has come up with they they put in their policy. They slipped it in Saturday morning when I saw the the update to the the policies that they will fine people twenty five hundred dollars per incident. If you do what they declare is hate speech or misinformation. So, so basically you have your bank account. So this is PayPal. Vimo is owned by PayPal. Yep. They, they think they have the right to your money. If you don't do what they, if you say something that they don't like. And, you know, I, I'm just saying, you know, people are like, oh, but they changed that. They changed it by like Saturday night, Sunday. They changed the position and they've corrected that. They've it's like okay fine but they've already revealed their intentions so I'll go to Parallels Economy or something else you know but I'm not going to sit there and, and allow my bank account or my credit card be tied with a group that thinks they have the right to my money right. and, and, and so and, if and so it, they, they just give instructions folks if you want to get rid of your PayPal or your Zell or your uh, Vimo here's what you need to do first you need to remove your cards and your banks so they don't have access to that. And if on PayPal, if you're if you're tied to like eBay or something like that, you need to first get rid of those things and, and remove those, then remove all of your payments. Then once all that's done, you can close your account. Make sure when you do so that you mark the thing saying delete all my data. Yep. Uh, whether well, they really delete it or not, I don't know. <laughs> I had to talk to them today because they had said, I tried to close it, and they said, you have a pending <laughs> transaction. And I'm looking through, I said, I have no pending transaction, so I called them. Is, was that was uh, that transaction $2,500? No, it wasn't. <laughs> no. But it was a book order from 
Free Grace Press that had already been delivered. I had the books. Wow. It's nothing pending about this. And yeah. so when I talked to them, they, oh, we'll clear that up. And then I was able to. Well, to you know, on, on Twitter, I saw that uh, Daryl had posted somewhere they had uh, $15 that they're offering people to not close their account. And uh, Daryl said, well, I have money. Yeah. Daryl goes, I need 2,500. I said, no, Daryl, that's it's per incident. And you make about a thousand comments a day (laughs) that that they would call misinformation. So you need to up that quite a bit. And he said, yeah, inflation. (laughs) Uh, Backpack on something that that, uh, Han Holtz just said about, um, you know, the the numbers and everything. And that is the thing about revivalism was visible results. Mm. You can count the people that come forward. Yeah, you can a- count the people that sign a card or make a confession of faith. You can't count the people who come to faith when you're out handing out tracts on the street. You can't count the people who come to faith when you're doing a podcast and you proclaim the gospel and some guy in Duluth, Minnesota, hears it and repents and believes. Mm -hmm. So the whole thing about revivalism and face it, the Southern Baptist Convention is a revivalist organization. The whole thing about revivalism is visible results and visible numbers. Yeah. You want to know what real church growth is? You want to know what real church goes through? Is? It's people who are in already in the church who have already been redeemed, and you, as the pastor, are preaching through the Word of God and teaching them to grow in the knowledge and and love and the glory of Jesus Christ. Okay, that's man. growth, true Amen. growth. Teaching them to be obedient to the Word. That's growth. Amen. And being faithful. The gospel Amen. is ours to proclaim, not to edit. Amen. 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 Yeah, is that, yeah, you're exactly right. I must add to your your comment there. It's been years that we've just been working through books of the Bible at our church, and it is a blessing to see your people growing in their faith. It's a blessing to see them maturing and exercising the gift that God has given them. And when you shed off all of the pragmatism and you're no longer counting and worried about the numbers and all that, and you're no longer a slave to those methods and you're just simply obedient to the word of God and you'll let him have the results, whether they're larger results or even smaller results, because if this pragmatic system was actually true, then we would have to in fact call Noah a failure and all the prophets failures in the, in the, in the gospel, I mean, in the, in the Bible, these things have just simply gone contrary to biblical methodology and, it's, it's my hope and prayer. It's the same as we all have Southern Baptist friends is that this truth would continue to permeate and resonate because it's biblical truth. And it would take over our churches instead of allowing pragmatism and these idolization of numbers to take over. It's, it's really, I'm telling you, it's a burnout job description for pastors. It makes them want to quit because they can't measure up. It makes the congregations feel like they need to fire their pastor because they're not growing the church. It puts all the pressure on the pastor's marriage, and it ruins not only marriages, but it burns out children who are PKs because their dad is gone all the time, and it's a slave to every single meeting, every single ministry, Mm -hmm. and he's got to grow this or he'll get fired. This is 
so bad it's hard to even put into a conversation. It it merits its own podcast, but it, it is true. But this this movement he gets us is tied to the philosophy that dominates in the Southern Baptist Convention today, and unfortunately, it's it's really sad. So, nevertheless, it takes. For example, if someone was going to come out from underneath all of these idols, uh, you can't just do it quickly. You have to educate your people and walk with them on a journey. Years of teaching and preaching the truth and allow these layers, these onion layers of false truth to come uh, off. And you adjust little by little by little. You know, a true shepherd can lead the sheep little by little by little. I remember my New Testament professor one time said this. You can um, trim a sheep many times, but you can only skin it once. You can't take the skin (laughs) off at once and it's going to die, right? So we need to be wise in our shepherding. Long time in, long time out is my philosophy on that. And so it's been years of just working, growing, uh, growing myself. And, and growing our people. And now we've come to the point to where I truly believe we have a healthy church that is capitalizing on Christ and Christ alone. And it has been a journey. It's been wonderful. So um, I, I couldn't help but brag on Beulah Baptist Church and our people, our lovely people, our wonderful people who are so dedicated to the Word of God at our church and, and, and continue to offer hope to all the pastors in the churches that are truly uh, have grown up in the Southern Baptist Convention as I did and uh, and are starting to perhaps see some of these things. I know that uh, you mentioned just a few minutes ago that Kevin Ezell backed out, but I think that um, his initial draw to this movement would be um, very telling uh, and, and to see that uh, other pastors and congregations too would be initially on the surface drawn to a movement like this because they have the wrong goals in mind. And when you have the wrong goals, they're not biblical goals, you have goals that lift up the, the self, the ego of man, to be able to count high numbers, to be able to see those visual results as was so uh, eloquently described to us through revivalism. We have to be able to speak to these things and combat these things in order to start to turn things in the right direction. The bright is worth it. The Word of God does the work. And if we just simply are faithful to that, it'll, it'll happen. It'll yeah. You know, one of the things that you were talking, Casey, was, uh, I was thinking of Second uh, Timothy 4 2, preach the word, be ready in season mm-hmm. and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience. Mm. Wow. Good word. And I was talking to a friend. My, I was celebrating my 10th anniversary at Parkside and he was celebrating his 20th anniversary the same year. And I said, so you're 10 years ahead of me. Give me some advice. And he said, that was what he said. He said, be patient. He said, I noticed last week that the church was about where I thought they ought to be after my third sermon. They <laughs> said that after being there for 20 years. Wow. You know, and, yeah. and that, that was some of the best advice was just be patient. Yeah, You're yeah. right. When we get focused on numbers, when we get focused on results, oh. we lose sight of what we're called to do. Yeah, we have to lead them. We yeah. need to, and, and this is something I think that we need to, this is one of the things we need to teach our people, you know. Why why do you guys want a huge church with a big budget and a big sound system and a 
disco ball. Mm-hmm. What's the point of that? Wouldn't you rather have a solid church full of mature believers who are worshiping together on mm-hmm. Sunday and holding them each other accountable Monday yeah. through Saturday? Yeah. You know, in Deuteronomy, they were warned not to worship the sun, the moon, and the stars, and all the Canaanite gods. And we have an American worldview, whether our people realize it or not. There is a definition of success that permeates our society that is now placed upon the church. And so when pastors and people give way to the American worldview of success— when they place a worldly so definition good, of success so upon good, ecclesiology, you're now worshiping another God inside of the house of God. Yeah. It's a tragedy. That's so good. Yeah. So, you know, let me, let me do some, we'll, we'll kind of end where we began because Cole said this a while ago, but you know, when we were talking about first Baptist church, he said, uh, one thing that Jesus doesn't have to bomb was Michael Jr.'s comedy set. He, he did that all on his own. <laughs> so, so I think Cole uh, nailed that one or, or gave a truth bomb there. So, but uh, it was great having you guys on, great having everybody in a good, good discussion. And I think this is something, I don't know about you guys, this whole he gets us, you know, before today, I never heard of it. You know, it just seems like this is, you know, just, they're, they're doing a huge campaign, so everyone, you're going to be hearing about this. Same thing, different name. Yeah, and so I hope yeah. that this episode has prepared you yes. to be able to give an answer. You know, because you're going to, the, these things are going to come up. And, mm-hmm. and it's like Squirrel said, I mean, it, this is not new. It's just a new name. Yeah. You know, I, the, the, is this, Victus, I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. If you're in control, if you're driving the ship, you're no better than Invictus's philosophy of life. Yeah. So let me just, uh, you know, I know that there was a question here that uh, Michelle gave of, or Melissa, sorry. Uh, when are we going to have another Q&A? Not sure. I mean, I, I know the, when we do the, the open Q&As, they become some of the best shows because we never know what we're going to get. Um but uh, let me just give you, let you know what we are going to be having uh, the next couple of weeks for the show. Next next week, uh, if you remember back when Anthony had Dan Llewellyn on talking about prayer, a lot of people like that. Well, Dan's going to come back on next week, October 20th. I will be away. They're going to do prayer part two, which they said they were going to try to do. October 27th, uh, we are going to have myself and Jim Osmond, Justin Peters, and Matt Slick. We're all going to be discussing the sensation sensationism, the conference that's coming up, the film that's coming up. Obviously, Matt being someone who is a continuationist, Jim, Justin, and I not being a con, you know being cessationists, it'll be a a good lively discussion. November third, uh, I was listening to Melissa Lex's podcast, Thoroughly Equipped, and she had on with her Melissa had Amy Russo, who is co-hosts with her husband Anthony on Grace and Peace Radio. But but Amy has a background from before she got saved in in being a feminist, and they were discussing feminism. And some interesting things that came out, I ended up contacting both of them, said, would you come on with the topic that feminism is feminism enslaving women? 
We're going to take a look at the first, second, third wave of feminism and see whether the feminists today are actually enslaving the women to the very things that the first generation feminists fought for. And so those are some topics coming up. I will not be here uh, on November 10th and November 17th, and there will be no show on Thanksgiving. So just so you guys have an idea of where we're going, what, what shows to be looking forward to, I encourage you guys to share this. If you're hearing it in the podcast, um, if you follow us on the podcast, that would be great. Uh, then you'd never miss an episode, even when they go longer than you should be in bed with your my pillow. but you're still up. And so promo if you're SFE. <laughs> promo code SFE is right. Hey, there's a lot of people that are looking for Christmas gifts. And I'm just saying, um, slippers are really nice. They are. are really comfortable right now. I, mine are too. And you know, even, even in the summer, I wore them all summer and they were still, you know, but let me, let me also end with one other thing is we are doing a special on a couple books at, you know, for Christmas at striving for training. If you go to striving org and go to our shop, you, if you get the book, what do we believe? You can get as many copies as you want for 50% off with the coupon code CHRISTMAS. We're going to run this through the end of the year. Is You can get as many copies as you want so that you can give them as Christmas presents. It is time to start now. We just bought 15 from you, Andrew. Hey, I'm sorry. <laughs> Buy 15 what? more. We just <laughs> Look, I can't help it that you 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 bought them after you know we we. When you come down on January first to preach for our church, I'm gonna find a way to get back in. <laughs> I look, I didn't choose the timing of when you guys wanted to purchase them. It, you know, you should have been listening to the 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 episode so you didn't miss out. If you would have been listening to this in the rap report, you would have known to use the coupon code. But, uh, but you can't, I mean, if, if folks do want to get them there, there is, I mean, it is a book that, that, uh, is really good to give out to especially newer believers. And we do actually have a church that is, keeps a bunch of them on hand for new believers, um, so that they can be grounded in theology. So what do we believe is 50% off. If you want to get sharing the good news with Mormons, you can get that for 35% off with the coupon code LDS. That stands for Latter-day Saints. So with that, we went a little bit longer, but we had a great group of guys come in. Even a rodent, the most famous rodent on social media is in the house. And that is squirrel himself. Uh, I, 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 if you listen to Squirrel Chatter, you'll hear James White say that he's the most famous rodent. He actually, I think he, he even mentioned you, I think, during the debate, your name yeah, came up. I think, I think he did. I'd yeah. have to go back and look. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I, yeah, I, I have infamy. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. But uh, I, I'm glad you guys came in. It was good discussion. I hope that this equipped each of you to be prepared to answer questions with the he gets us so you realize what it really is, what's really going on. Um, oh, before we end, someone says, what's the coupon code for what do we believe 50% off? Christmas. So, Jason, it's Christmas for, well, your Christmas gifts. I mean, you could start now and get your Christmas gifts now, you know. So, and so Mark Spence comes in, what, three hours, three hours in and says, what's up, guys? 
Mark, you need to go back and re-listen because this is going to be an episode that you guys need to do on Living Waters podcast, okay? We're dealing with the He Gets Us campaign, a $100 million campaign, which is nothing more than repackaging Jesus Christ as a Marxist. That's really what it is. Uh, You guys on on Living Waters podcast, you're going to want to re-listen to what we did and respond because you guys are going to be brilliant with how you deal with and respond to the He Gets It campaign. Uh, just think, in, as, as when you guys do that, Mark, what, <laughs> what could Living Waters do with $100 million for the gospel? I mean, just picture that. Just, just think about what 100, how $100 million in the hands of biblical Christians preaching a biblical gospel, wouldn't, wouldn't we love to see what that would do? You know, You're what God would do with something like the that. Top 10 most doctrinally sound ministries. <laughs> so, 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 you know, so Chris, Chris Hunhold says only three hours of good content. Mark Spence, Mark asked, what did I miss? <laughs> oh, so, so Melissa says what, what Living Waters would do is have tons of gospel tracks. I mean, can you picture $100 million of gospel tracks, of Living Waters gospel tracks, out everywhere? $100 million bills. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. So with that, folks, well, I'm glad you guys enjoyed this. I hope this was very helpful for you. I hope that if, this, if you're hearing this for the first time and you heard Justin Peters present the gospel, and you don't know Christ. May today be a day of repentance for you. May be today be a day of salvation that you would turn from trusting self and, tr- and, and living for pride and trust what Jesus Christ did on that cross, that you can have eternal life. We thank you for coming in, and we see, look forward to seeing you next week. Till then, remember to strive to make today an eternal day for the glory of God, and we'll see you next time.